this is Spotlight on the IndieCorner.com. I'm Beto. I'm Joe. And welcome to the number one EastEnders and Wrestling Fusion podcast on the <laughs> internet. <laughs> we can say that now. There's, uh, there's no JP this week, so I'm getting those references in early, Joe. It's, uh, it's just me and you. Two hours yeah, of EastEnders, Jeff. What do you think? Well, the man who sounds most like a character from EastEnders has <laughs> uh, been scared away. He hates being referred to as a geezer, or he hates my impression of him, and you know, what, uh, what do you think his role would be if he turned up in EastEnders? Uh, he'd be on the market somewhere. I'd see him, <laughs> uh, Ian Beale, looking for a new man on the market. Perhaps he could be recast as like the new Martin Fowler or something. Back they have another change of actor again, or um, I could see him being like Ian Beale's distant brother, who's like a much cooler version of Ian oh, Beale yeah, or definitely. something. I yeah. mean, it's not hard to be cooler than Ian Beale, but still. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it'd work. I could definitely see. It. I could see him being like the again, like you know, they always used to have in the nineties. What was the nightclub down the road from the Queen Vic? The E twenty. The E twenty, yeah, and there'd be like a new owner constantly. I could see JP coming in as the new owner. That, that's that's what I can picture him. Being. Oh, I don't know if he's got the suave of like a Martin Kemp or a Beppe though. That's, that's the problem. We'd have to or, dress uh... him up a bit, I think. He, uh, maybe he could pull a bit of Craig Fairbrass off. He's a big fan of his, if you remember him. <laughs> I do. He's work. a big fan of Rise of the Foot Soldier, is JP. One of his favourite British gangster films. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go. That could work. Um, what else has been going on uh, outside of the EastEnders chat? Have you uh, been, <laughs> been watching much? Uh, been up to much? Uh, I'm just incredibly tired, as you may be able to tell. Uh, sound, I probably sound a little bit withdrawn. Um, yeah, work is hectic at the moment, to say the least. I've had some long days this week. Um, so looking forward to kicking back and chatting a bit of, uh, well, primarily British wrestling, but wrestling generally to uh, relax myself after a long week, let's say. <laughs> I'm not going to let you get too relaxed, Jar. I'm going to try and wind <laughs> you I mean, if I was going to wind you up, I'd bring up the WWE Crown Jewel show from last weekend. I mean, you, you mentioned we're going to talk some Brit Res. Non-Brit Res, have you been watching any of their stuff recently? Have you uh, been keeping an eye on what happened? We kind of, we spent like the first 20 minutes of our last podcast, didn't we, talking about Crown Jewel and saying whether we thought it was going to happen or not. It happened. Do you happen to see yeah, any of it? What yeah. you, uh, what you make of the uh, the evil megalomania corporation uh, <laughs> following through with it the week after evolution uh it didn't surprise me one bit and i've got to say in the last two weeks as much as i you know disagree with the show and hate the fact that they held this women's show basically as a you know a way to try and justify them doing this show in saudi arabia and take attention off of it i've watched more wwe in the last two weeks and i probably have all year or outside of wrestlemania oh, wow. and rumble season you haven't been to one um, of the house shows have you they've been in the uk this week they haven't uh they haven't been doing too well on the attendance uh, side of things you haven't been have you i can't think of anything worse to be honest <laughs> with you <laughs> didn't, didn't fancy that raw or smackdown taping in manchester you know um, what I don't even know what happened on either, to be honest with you. What did? Uh, all, all I know about them is that a year ago I went to the SmackDown taping and saw AJ Styles win the WWL oh, yeah. title. And you would expect that the year later, you know, I, I'd, I'd want to go back and that it'd be... And other people would want to go back. And I think they did the worst attendance they ever, they've ever done in the UK for a TV show. Someone might correct wow. me, but I believe they did less than 5,000, which is like... Oh progress in Wembley numbers it's just yeah kind of crazy isn't it the I, I don't know kind of feel it flows into what you were just saying there about like uh, I think just generally maybe the hardcore fans who go to something like that to a tv taping have got such a negative feeling on WWE at the moment I definitely have 
Um, yeah. And there's certainly better ways to spend my money. Yeah, I've, I can't think of anything worse to spend money on at the moment. Although, mm. I, you know, I did spend uh, £1 or 99p on a two-month network subscription. So oh, no, I am you'll be still... in the stats now. I will, unfortunately. But, you know... Um, I'm not going to talk about anything illegal, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd be a good a good, a good boy. Um, so 99p wasn't stretching it too far, I suppose. I can give him that. Was uh, that for evolution or for Crown Jewel? Um, well, it was for both, and it you know helped help the bandwidth out a little bit, I suppose, to some extent. So there we go. Um, but yeah, I can't think of anything worse at the moment than going to a WWE house show in the UK where they mm. usually bring a sort of skeleton roster anyway, don't they? So. Yeah. I had a friend of my girlfriend's went to the one in Minehead last year um, and came back with loads of pictures. Her, her favourite wrestler is Triple H. Um, so her surname's Hayes, and she's in my girlfriend's phone as HHHAs, which I always like. Um, and she came back last year with loads of pictures of him in the shield garb. And I was like, this is weird, but I can't <laughs> say I missed anything seeing Triple H as an honorary member of the shield. So I don't know if they've gone down that road this year, but i got to say... I did not enjoy Triple H in that crown jewel main event. <laughs> that was like, I know Triple H was injured and we've all seen, the, have you seen the photos since? There have been, I know you're not on Twitter, but with his bruised up uh, pecs, he's not, it turned into a bit of a meme. He's not, uh, he's not looking too good. Uh, so I kind of felt bad for him in that match, but he certainly wasn't the worst thing in it. Even Shawn Michaels, I think the biggest thing I can say about that match is Shawn Michaels came back after how many years off and was eight, not great. Eight and a half. But everyone's talking about him like he was great because the other three dudes in the match, including Triple H, who was injured, were, were just so, so bad. If there was if there was ever an advertisement for why the WWE product isn't for me anymore, and I'll admit it, I uh, I didn't want to give him the, the satisfaction of being a subscriber, especially with that event going on, so I did illegally stream that main event. Uh, but I just watched it thinking, yeah, this is why this product is not for me, just awful all in all just but funny as well almost worth it just for the for the comedy and for the the botchamania value oh yeah it is more wcw than wcw kind of ever mm. was at this point isn't it in oh, many yeah. ways when Older you think than about the those of the cage main event type era isn't it that's we're talking oh about yeah hogan and piper were at that point in wcw yeah, it's shocking. You think of Hogan and Flair main event in pay-per-views in the year 2000, mm. and our WWE were laughing at them because they were main eventing with fresh new talent. You know, Chris Benoit against The Rock. I remember it fully loaded. They really got off on. Uh, and you think pushing new, fresh guys with the rest of it. And here we are years <laughs> later with, uh, yeah, The Undertaker, well into his 50s, looking like shit. Mm. Kane, I don't know, Kane looked really overweight. Hey, he's one of, the be- one of the four best of all time, according to Michael Cole on the commentary that night. Kane has never been good, in my opinion. No. Uh, you know what? He's in my top five most disliked wrestlers of all time. Wow. But I'll tell you why. Think about how many years we've had to suffer watching his mm. matches for. Him and the Big Show. Big Show's oh. my most disliked wrestler of all time. Number one, because of the sheer amount of bloody heel turns and lack of consistency with that character. Mm. But also, find me, find me ten good Big Show matches. The best thing about the Big Show is the party you went to for the Big Show a few years ago to celebrate <laughs> 20 years of the business, which... You know, I, I you might want to retweet that, Benno, so people can see what I'm talking about. But. Yeah, we, we, did a, we did a big celebration. The big man himself enjoyed it. I mean, my mate Matty, who went to that, he'd probably take you up on that challenge of naming 10 good Big Show matches, but I'm certainly with you. Uh, yeah, we, we celebrated them, but there was definitely a, a level of, uh, of irony to it. 
Yeah, for those 20 years, I suppose he's had, what, one decent match every two years, possibly, if there are 10 <laughs> good big show matches. But, yeah, I could I can go without ever seeing an Undertaker or a, or a Kane match ever again, if mm. I'm honest with you. Um, you mentioned Big Show and Kane there together. The thing it reminds me of is the last, like, I haven't been to a WrestleMania in years. I went to WrestleMania 22 in Chicago, and the two oh, yeah. of them were in the opener as a tag team. And I remember then, so how long ago we're talking, 12 years 12 ago, years. Thinking, these two are done. I don't want to see these two wrestle ever again. And it's twelve years later, they're still doing the same role. Like that that rumble a couple of couple of years ago when they were literally gingerly picking people oh, up and throwing them out the uh, the Roman Reigns rumble. Like that that was another one where it was just like I can't believe we've watched so much of these two wrestlers, and I can't believe yeah, Kane, you know, Mister Politician as well, uh, is in the main events of uh, of the Saudi Arabia show in twenty eighteen. Yeah, that rumble was like the nadir of... I think that was like when I knew that I could never engage in WWE in the same way again because it was pure Vince. you got mm. Roman Reigns in there and you've got two giants. He's not going to overcome two giants who have dominated the match. And I remember he threw him out and then Rusev, a Russian, comes in at the end. And it's like two giants and a Russian. I wonder whose mind created this puzzle. And yeah, puzzle it was on that night. I was livid. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say I was angry watching the Saudi Arabia show. But the only bits I watched were um, the main event. What else did I watch? And I watched the uh, hilarious uh, Shane McMahon winning the World Cup <laughs> in his <laughs> in his sweaty black vest. Just I remember, oh. <laughs> as the images came out online, I was sending them to them in our in our group chat. You were loving it. You're a you're a big Shane oh. fan, right? Uh, just, <laughs> in an ironic sense, I suppose I am. Yeah, um, it was just seeing how much he looks like Vince in that '99 Rumble. Mm. Honestly, those pythons are <laughs> Vince size '1999. I don't know if he's on the same fitness regime or uh, steroids. So. What's going on yeah. there? <laughs> but it's like Vince has said, you need to look like this. Go and work out a bit. He's more in shape in terms of his arms than he was. 20 years ago when he was what 28 27 mm. something like that it's ridiculous but hilarious that was i think this is the peak of ridiculous wwe booking oh. like one thing i miss i am I, I wish jim smallman was still doing his podcast where he reviewed every wwe pay-per-view because i'd love to see him justify this <laughs> and he would know. as well that's the problem maybe that's why he doesn't do his podcast anymore um, yeah. yeah i mean it kind of it says to me like People who get really... I, I just can't get wound up about WWE anymore, but when people yeah, get same. people getting wound up, the shame that Mam was the best in the world and he won this World Cup tournament that nobody cared about a week ago. Like, I, I, I'm not like you. I just, I'd rather find it funny. I'd rather laugh at Shane winning that thing. I'd rather laugh at Triple H and Undertaker um, throwing each other to the guardrail at the same time and taking uh. hilarious botchamania bumps in the main event. I'd rather just watch it and laugh at it than get too angry. Or, aside from, yeah, the real-life political stuff, which isn't great. Um, but, yeah, as far as the WWE product goes, yeah, there was nothing that uh, that says more that it's not for me than, than that entire presentation. Uh, but also said to me, why do people still care? Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think until Vince departs us, uh, I'm going to feel the same way, and I think a lot of us are, to be honest. But mm. on the other hand, I did enjoy Evolution. I thought that was actually a really fun show, a really good range of matches up and down the card as well. Mm. But it seemed like Fresh the presentation approach- as well. 
Yeah, definitely. It felt more like a, an NXT takeover sort of show. It didn't mm. feel like a kind of tired, cliche WWE pay-per-view, which now seems to have to have swerves all over the place, ridiculous finishes all over the place. This was quite fresh and quite nice, mm. if anything. And then you had the Becky-Charlotte match, which I think is the best main roster women's match I've ever seen. Oh, definitely, yeah. um, I would go five stars. I saw people arguing with no, Dave Meltzer no, about no, no. that because he went four and three quarters. I thought that was generous, to be honest. Great match, but you know, come on. Uh, I'd maybe rate it four and a half on the Grapple app oh, if I had okay. to get if I had to put slap a rating on it. I thought I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I thought the selling was especially good at times. Um, JP is not here, so you can I be the, the uh, spot. You can, JP's not here, so you can be the spotlight women's correspondent now if you like, Joe. That's uh, that's um, a strong rating from uh, <laughs> from yourself. There are some women's wrestling fans out there who would hate me being the spotlight women's correspondent. <laughs> I, that's what I'll say. I've never watched an Eve show. I'm never going to. So, yeah, I'd be the worst spotlight women's correspondent you could ever find. So <laughs> may, m- maybe reconsider that one, Benno. Fair enough. Uh, before we get to the Brit Res stuff, is there anything else outside of uh, Brit Res that you've been watching? Did you uh, catch up on any of the Jericho Cruise stuff or, or anything like that? Um that was uh, that was something I was hoping to have JP on the show because I bet you he's been watching those matches back. They've all been on fight. He's got the fight books. I'm never spending the money on it, but it's kind of cool. I mean, that again, the, the, the WWE lethargy kind of appreciates that even if something like that, and it did sound like a bit like hell, that cruise thing, the fact that that exists and the fact that there are these dudes out there making money and, and putting on shows like that, that I'm... You know, I'm grateful that there's uh, there's those alt- alternatives out there, even if they're not uh, exactly for me either. Yeah, I haven't seen anything from it myself. I, like, like I said to you before, I've been extremely busy recently. Um, lucky to get an evening to record this, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> so re- honestly, I've not watched a lot. I've watched bits of Tag League. I've still got the last day left on Tag League. Some really good stuff from the first couple of days. Watched that Bobby Guns Ilya match, which mm. was really. It's really good fun. It's a great spectacle and it's really unique in terms of being able to take in the atmosphere um, and kind of just enjoy the occasion. Mm. I think I would have obviously enjoyed it more live. Um, It's not like the classic match I've seen people making it out to be, but I think that's because I wasn't there. I think mm. if you're there, you probably get pulled into that and become completely intoxicated by the whole feeling of the occasion and the mm. spectacle of it all. Watching it back, it's still a really good match, um, but I don't know, it's a strange one, because I've seen people criticising the crowd and saying, oh, the crowd ruined the match, but I don't know if they, I'd say they ruined the match, it just brought something different to the match that... Mm isn't always going to be there and it told you how special both wrestlers are to that crowd if Mm. anything so i didn't mind that so i didn't think it ruined it but yeah it was certainly an interesting watch that's for sure yeah it kind of for me i mean if they'd just gone out there and had the the, their match it would have been a very good match but i don't think we'd be talking about it now i don't think it would have done the rounds like the the crowd reaction gave it reason to um yeah it's a it's a difficult one though isn't it because i think yeah there's definitely going to be there's going to be that live bias because people like me who were there were kind of it's a bit like the the hogan rock problem isn't it i mean not that it was on that level but the hogan rock that wrestlemania match it got such a great reaction it got the probably the loudest fan reaction up until that point i'd seen in a match watching you know live mm. on tv and 
I've, you know, you see ratings of that match, and people are giving it one and two stars, and I'm kind ah, of come on. of the school of come on, you know, exactly. Yeah, okay, yeah. Hogan can barely move, but if they can get the crowd going like that, I want to give it closer to four or five. And I'm not a big star ratings guy, but I kind of feel like a little bit, you know, in the same vein about that match, about you know, about Ilya and Bobby Guns, just the fact that they got that level of reaction kind of makes me a bit more makes me understanding of the people who went as as crazy as to give it you know four and three quarter stars or five stars yeah it's, it's an interesting one it's an interesting comparison point because you think about say hogan at that point in time and how limited mm. he was so the crowd being like that got the best at hogan as well and allowed him to deliver what he was he was always strong at during his career but especially strong at, at that point when he could do so little but then you've got two guys in Ilya and bobby guns who probably have more planned <laughs> and are capable of doing a little bit more especially athletically at that mm. point in their careers so i suppose i can see from that point of view why people may have been annoyed they thought they were going to get a different style of match but i'm sure that style of match will come at some point down the line as well i can't see every crowd they perform in front of being like this is quite unique it's sort of one i suppose one time only in terms of that atmosphere so yeah i thought it was i thought it was really good fun for what it was really mm. yeah that's it that's and that's Kind of all you can really ask for. I wondered whether it would translate on tape, and on basically any reviews I've heard, I've kind of yeah heard people saying pretty much the uh, the same thing as you. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, I've, myself, I've not been watching a huge amount. I mean, I think we're in that period with New Japan. Uh, I wanted to kind of get, get Power Struggle through because I want to see... Ishi oh, I watched Shiki. Power Struggle. Oh, yeah. you did watch that? I haven't yeah. got that far along. I, I don't know. It feels like we're in that period, you know... Uh, well, quite a distance from the G1, but we're in that dip where we're not quite at Wrestle Kingdom yet. Uh, we all spent a lot of our summer watching a lot of New Japan. I found it difficult to get motivated. I don't know if it says says a lot about the product, more about just, yeah, the, I don't know, more about me and finding it uh, hard traditionally in this period to get into it. I've seen people down on the product, down on the, you know, the overuse maybe of people like Jericho. Um, I'm definitely not feeling that, but I'm not feeling hugely motivated. Well, just I think the, the the reliance on not particularly Jericho himself, but the reliance on using people like that. Uh, the focus being the market outside of Japan rather than the Japan oh, market. Okay. I mean, Naito outright said that on a, an interview I saw with him recently that maybe they're trying too hard to appeal to the masses when they should be appealing a bit more to to the Japanese crowd. Yeah, they're, they're the kind of grumblers I've here I've, I've been here, and I'm not saying that's me. I think for me more it is just a it's a time thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I haven't quite got to a to power struggle myself. Uh, what did you make of it? Uh, it was fine. It was nothing blow away <laughs> by any means. Uh, I think Ishi, both Ishii and Suzuki's matches in this country were a lot better. I couldn't mm. get into their match at all. I don't know what it was. It felt like it was component parts of the two matches they'd had in the UK sort of repeated in front of a different crowd. And I don't know, it just didn't do it for me, this one. Um, Jericho Evil, I thought, was fine for mm. what it was. It kind of worked to both men's strengths. Um, I'm not sure how necessary the match was, and I don't know if it cheapens Jericho's value slightly in a match with, say, Evil. So, you know, I was a little bit disappointed with that. I don't know if they could have gone down a different road maybe with that. I'm not sure how much Evil is going to gain from that match as well. Um, but yeah, it was it was an all right show. There was nothing wrong with it, but it was nothing particularly blow away. I felt kind of the same about New Japan this time last year as well. Mm. Always feel like you have that kind of G1 hangover. Mm. Like 
there have been things I've liked in that post-G1 period. I did actually really like the last four matches on that Long Beach show. I thought those were great. You had the Akada Tanahashi match a couple of months ago, which was really good for what that was as well. It's Akada Tanahashi, of course it was. So there have been sort of bright spots, I think. Mm. Um, I remember last year this period being all about the Jericho Omega build and the actual shows, yeah, were lacking a bit this time last year as well. So... I think it sort of seems like it's going to be like this um, time and time again for New Japan. It seems like it's going to be hot from January through to August, really. And then that August up through to January period is kind of that down period, if anything. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. I think that's kind of it's the it's really the normal. And I, it does feel like, yeah, people are maybe using it as a reason to justify picking on your, your Kenny Omegas and yeah, yeah getting a, angry at the 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 end of the Bullet Club Civil War stuff and the focus on the elite stuff and the focus on the likes of Jericho. Me personally, I think I'd rather they didn't. I'd rather they maybe step back a little bit. I think there's maybe a bit... I mean, that Wrestle Kingdom card coming up, it it's going to be tough to get everyone you'd expect to be on Wrestle Kingdom on the show. Um, you know, the fact that the Jay White's in, in such a featured match, the fact that Jericho's going to be in such a featured match, but... That's what they're going for. They're trying to get the the fans who used to wear Bullet Club t-shirts and now will wear a, probably elite t-shirts in. Uh, that's just kind of what New Japan is right now. But you still get all all the great stuff, and uh, and I bet you will we'll, we'll we'll still all be talking about you know the classic matches that have a, a, happen at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, regardless of uh, how down some people seem to be right now on New Japan. Oh yeah, and I'm sure you know Omega Tanahashi on top. I can't see how that's not going to be good. Let, let's you know hate the build. I don't like the Omega talking about his style of wrestling as opposed to the kayfabe breaking stuff. I mean, I don't mind that away from wrestling. Break kayfabe all you want on your Twitter. If anything, I hate people who have you seen El Ligero tweeting about NXT UK. Where he's literally, no. obviously you won't because you're on Twitter, but if anyone has seen it, he's, he'll literally be like, oh, I can't believe that decision that just got made by the GM. Oh, what, what's Pete Dunne going to do next? And it's just so awful. I'd rather on Twitter people entirely broke kayfabe. But there's something about Tanahashi and Omega using the kind of, well, I build my matches like this. You build your matches in the wrong way. As the build for the Wrestle Kingdom main event that just doesn't, sit right even with me again i'm sure they'll they'll kill it and i'm sure it'll be a a five star plus match uh but still yeah some of that stuff i'm i'm not loving right now and hasn't exactly captured my imagination that's postmodern wrestling hype isn't it if that's anything it. very kenny omega uh style um how you feel on it on him as being new japan champion of it again feels like some people are feeling like he's a bit of a disappointment um i'm certainly not i'm not feeling that way i think Kenny Omega is always going to deliver when it comes to the big matches. He's known for for taking nights off when he needs to take nights off. I don't think we've had a huge amount of that. Um, although obviously he's not on every tour. Um, I think it's far too soon to call him any kind of failure as New Japan champion. I just think yeah, maybe it's just people just not liking the fact that uh, that it's that it's him. That it's a it's a bit of an outsider getting the the focus in a in a period where again a lot of the focus is on the uh, the non native talent. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of his. Uh, I've no issue with it at all. I popped in a big way when he won that belt. Mm. I think he's someone who's very easy to bash because 
a lot of the stuff he does isn't traditional necessarily. And um, it does come across like a massive nerd. I mean, I know you don't watch being the elite, but some of that stuff sometimes, sometimes. Makes, it makes me feel sometimes. like he loses his sheen a little bit, you know, and you realise he's just some nerd who plays computer games, who who walk around in, in his trackies. He doesn't look like a big star. He doesn't come off like a like the star that he does when he's in his big leather jacket yeah. or you know on a big new japan main event so i think sometimes that again as much as i talk about real life and and uh kayfabe keeping them separate some of that stuff does bleed in sometimes so i do kind of get that critique sometimes that he is a bit i don't know he's not as cool as i thought as I, maybe i thought he was a year ago uh who cares i think it maybe makes it more relatable to a certain section of the audience you mm-hmm. know when he's he's being found in a closet and he's wearing just his underwear and he's showing off that ridiculous body of his, he looks pretty good, mm. let's be honest. He looks like as good as anyone in WWE in terms of his physique. Um, but in terms of as, as him as champion, I've got no issue with it at all. I've not seen anything overly wrong with his title reign. I think he killed it during G1 when mm. I think a lot of people wanted to bash him for certain things and I think he's become someone who is easy to bash and mm. someone who is under a you know a real level of scrutiny based mm. on his style but come on you're bashing someone who's delivering ridiculous matches over and over again and yeah okay he maybe takes a night off occasion he doesn't put the effort in you know as someone who works in quite an intense profession not intense in terms of my body there are times when you do have to kind of rein it in a little bit and you can't give your all in every single situation and every single under every single circumstance so I get it from his perspective. I'm kind of fine with his title reign. I I like the matches that he's had. I think there have been some good feuds that have been built out of this title reign as well. Uh, To be honest, I hope he retains against Tanahashi because I think there's uh, there's more they can do with this title reign if they allow it to happen as well. Uh, There's the inevitable Jay White feud that can occur as well. You've got to be excited for that one, mate. (laughs) Um, Jay White's grown on me a little bit. I think... uh, it was, it was a little bit more natural as that character now, and the, the setup he's in is, you know, there's a lot of heat on it as well. Obviously, Wrestle Kingdom's a massive opportunity, and he's got to deliver on that day. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, on Omega, I just think he's easy to bash. Mm. It, it reminds me of like Shawn Michaels in the mid 2000s when I'd be on like the Death Valley Driver Forum. People were talking about what a terrible wrestler Shawn Michaels was. It was like, <laughs> what? Like, what sort of alternative universe have I entered what, here? Like, what time period was this? Like two thousand five, six. I reckon. Uh, comeback, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't big into him, but I knew that he was great. I didn't love him as much as I loved him in the nineties. It was a different Shawn Michaels for me. Maybe that was the source of some of the complaining. But yeah, I don't think you could reasonably watch Shawn Michaels in that period as a wrestling fan, and even if he wasn't to your taste, similar to Kenny Omega, not recognise that he's really fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things I remember as well was people claiming that like Mark Henry was a better wrestler. Oh, than I remember Shawn that Michaels. Mark Henry and Chris Masters having these killer matches on Superstars. That was a that was a big meme, wasn't it, in the pre-Twitter message board days? It was a big thing on the UK fan forum that Mark Henry was this super worker and Chris Masters was allegedly killing it on Superstars every week. I never saw the matches. He was good in PCW, but yeah, uh, I was never a fan of that. I was a bigger fan of when Chris Masters and Stephen Flutter went around some guy's house and confiscated <laughs> his DVDs. That was the highlight of Chris Masters' career for me. 
threatened the threatened the, the the poor young lad for yeah, for selling the stuff, uh, threatened him with with death. Yeah, imagine that Chris Masters coming and knocking on your door. You would probably shit yourself. Mate, you? Flader knocking on your door. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's probably enough to be honest. Yeah, yeah, but it'd be a hell of a story to tell. Uh, yeah, I, I never understood that though. Yeah, I mean, I, on his he had some great matches with Chris Travis on his UK run, but yeah, people were talking about him like he was the next big thing in WWE, similar to the Mark Henry thing. Yeah, they, they that'd be a good like podcast to do at some point, wouldn't it? The the weird kind of wrestlers that the people got behind, and it's a bit like the the Hunter brothers right now. I'm not I'm not really a fan of them. I saw uh, I saw some people talking about them that like. They get rate because they get underrated. I think people overrate them, and I think that happens a lot with wrestlers, where people will will go the extra mile and overdo it, maybe to make up for the fact that maybe somebody's not. You know, Mark Henry was probably slightly better in that in that period where people were raving about him on the internet, but it didn't mean he was a world beater. Uh, there's a bit of a difference, isn't there? But yeah, there's a whole kind of that's a whole subject you could go through, isn't it? Oh, yeah, like, I was a massive Batista fan, but everyone mm. hated on Batista during the same period. But, but Batista was always having good matches during that period, like good pay-per-view main events, solid matches on SmackDown each week as well. He was a great character. There was, he, I think Batista gets underrated for his character work at times as well. But then I was being told Mark Henry was, you know, super worker 101 over and over again. But, yeah. <laughs> How do we get on to this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure. We should probably, yeah, we should maybe move on to the, uh, get away from it, uh, get into the Brit Rez stuff. I mean, I was going to ask you for your thoughts on Jose Lothario before we moved on, but I don't know whether that's still good. Uh, any any memories? What's or... happened to him? He's dead. Oh, I, I didn't know he was still alive. <laughs> yeah, he died, unfortunately. Uh, he was eight, in his 80s, I think he was. Very sad, but... Yeah. Yeah, uh, my memory is him pointlessly being in Shawn Michaels' corner throughout his title run in 1996. It was the like. It's funny because if you, if you look up, if you like Jose Lothario in his day, he was a good-looking young lad. But like, yeah, as a as kind of the weird old man that followed Shawn Michaels around, I was like. I was the biggest Shawn Michaels fan in the world in 1996, and it was just so weird having, like, basically his dad following this cool, cocky, <laughs> sexy boy character, and you've got Jose Lothario just kind of walking behind him. Uh, again, not to talk ill of the dead, he did his job. That, the angle with Sid, that was very good. Uh, oh, the angle yeah. with Vader as well, I enjoyed that too. Uh, but yeah, he was, a, he was a strange one. I saw somebody say that, that, like, how weird is it when you think of that, that Jose Lothario was on Raw in 1996, and then I think he I think he did a one-off in 1999 on a random Raw. I think he turned up, and uh, someone I was, uh, was look, saw someone saying, like, how how crazy is it, the difference between those three years that he looked like he'd been transported from this forgotten era, from the, yeah. uh, the Shawn Michaels era. That's how quick things changed back then. But, yeah, re- real odd footnote in history, Jose Lothario, isn't he, in, in modern WWE? Yeah, I wish things changed at that pace now, to be honest with you. We'd have a much better mainstream product for it, wouldn't we? <laughs> Life would be much better, definitely. But um, yeah, no no strong Jose Lothario thoughts or memories, mate. I'll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not someone I ever thought about too much. <laughs> the Sid angle, the, the the build to the Bret Hart match at WrestleMania Yeah, I was going to say that montage yeah. uh, before the my match, which is the most overrated match of all time, in my opinion. Oh, I hated that thing, yeah. Uh, even so, as a kid, I recognised that was no good. I was watching it on the 3 o'clock, I think would it, would it, yeah, it would have been 3 o'clock Monday afternoon replay on Sky Sports, because my dad forgot to tape it. I still remember that. I still hold that against bunk him. school? Um, I think we were off for some reason. I can't remember why. But I just remember because it was the 3 o'clock replay, as well as it being an hour Ironman match with extra time, 
they had adverts on it too. So every 15 minutes in that boring headlock Iron Man match, <laughs> there were ads. So I knew when I was 12 that that match was terrible. Um, now I think I think people just look back at it and go, well, Shawn Michaels about half for an hour, five stars. It was, it's one of the greatest yeah. matches of all time without yeah. yeah, actually recognizing what happened in that match. But you did get Jose Lothario making his own entrance on his own to, to Sexy Boy and pointing to the sky as Shawn Michaels came from the rafters. So <laughs> it always gave us that. It's a great entrance, to be fair. <laughs> Should we talk some Brit Res, then? Let's. <laughs> We've uh, both been to a, a few live shows uh, over the the last uh, little period. I've been to a couple. You went to the, the cockpit, and you're headed to, uh, to Red Pro on Friday. You are going to Uprising still, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll uh, be there. I mean, what do you want to go with first? Do you want to uh, tell us uh, how the cockpit was, and uh, and I'll go second? Or do you want to hear yes. all about the uh, the undergraph scheme uh, scene in Skem? I think the undergrap scene in Sken sounds <laughs> like a right laugh, so let's hear about that. I gave you too much of a tantalising yeah, option there. Um, yeah, so <laughs> let's go from talking about WrestleMania 12 to uh, to where I've been the last couple of weeks. Uh, I, I've been, um, because I've been writing a couple of things for Fighting Spirit magazine, there's a local wrestler, Sandy Beach, also known as Callum Corrie. Um, you've probably heard uh, Andy Ogden in uh, Graps and Claps. Talk, oh, yeah. Talk big about him. Um, he's someone I've seen a couple of times this year. So in in doing a bit of an article on him, I've been following him around. So I went to uh, my home away from home, GPW, where I used to train. So uh, you won't hear me say... So I'm a little bit biased when it comes to GPW, but I went to their show to see him. And he had a, he had a cracking match with Martin Kirby. Uh, and I also went to a This Is Wrestling show in Skelmsdale. Um, have you heard much about him, about Sandy Beach, Callum Corey, or is it just from uh, reading uh, Andy's reviews or hearing his uh, previews like the one that's uh, on the Indie Corner feed right now? Yeah, it's just the word of uh, the good man Andy Ogden, to be honest with you, that I've heard about uh, Sandy Beach. Like, to be honest, when he first told me about him in person, I was like, what? Sandy Beach? <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought it was some sort of nickname. I, I wasn't. I think I went away from the conversation. I thinking that was his actual name. Uh, but then I've read about him in his graps and claps reviews, which you can find on the indiecorner.com. Oh. Recommended reading. <laughs> um, so yeah, I haven't seen him before, but I've heard all about him. Yeah, he's really good. He, he's he's a young wrestler. The Sandy Beach thing. I don't know whether it'd be your thing. He wrestles under Callum Corey in Future Shock Wrestle Pro places like that, and then GPW. This is wrestling. He's doing this Sandy Beach surfer character, and he's got like an inflatable shark that's kind of. It's similar to the Al Snow head thing or the. Uh, Perry sat and moppy thing, um, but yeah, I saw a match with him and Martin Kirby on that GPW show. GPWs are again, I am biased, but it, it is a really fun live show. Uh, it's very family focused, but also you'll get matches like that. Him and Martin Kirby had the killer match, and I do think that you know you mentioned we mentioned Andy Ogden. I do think the Ogden's getting behind Sandy Beach, who's been a bit of a he's been a bit of a heel in in GPW the on a bit of a losing streak the last couple last year or so. Um, but I think them getting behind him and starting their uh, getting the the baby shark, uh, Sandy Shark chant going for him, it kind of made people turn. And yeah, they had this, they had one of those matches where Martin Kirby is the babyface, Beach is supposed to be the heel, and they recognised that the crowds were getting behind Beach slash Corey, and they just went with it. And I think that's just the best thing you can do. I don't think Martin Kirby hates anything from it. I think the the crowd, you know, going with the the younger wrestler and and you know 
going with somebody who, who's kind of hot in that promotion right now isn't the worst. I think the worst thing maybe you can do is fight against it. Like, what do we do with the with the likes of Becky Lynch? Uh, it's worth it to just let it go. And genuinely, I mean, I've been to a few GPW shows this year, but as far as Northwest matches go or matches I've seen live up north and those types of shows, probably the best thing I've seen all year. Martin Kirby is wildly underrated as well. I don't know where he sits with you or you've seen much of him, but yeah. That was a match that I absolutely loved. Probably yeah, one of my favourite live matches I've seen all year. Okay, cool. Is it worth checking out, do you think? I think so, yeah. You can get it on the, on the GPW on demand. Um, but it was a really strong match. I mean, the, the car kind of... If you did get it, I mean, this was the Friday Night Thriller show. They had their, uh, a Zach Gibson and Joey Hayes match on there as well. That I'd, I'd recommend that might be make it worth the, the purchase as well. Um Gibson's kind of, he's been away from GPW, so it was kind of cool to see him come back and do his normal promo that he always does, where he just, again, he gets better heat than anyone anyway. Uh, he's kind of been missing from GPW shows until he came back recently. He came back at the Rumble, I think he did. Uh, but yeah, he was cutting a great promo. Again, Joey Hayes, similar to Martin Kirby, someone who's been around for absolutely ages, never get kind of gets the credit that that he deserves and Gibson saying that I used to look up to him 10 years ago and he'd even stole some of his moves which kind of made me laugh because he definitely <laughs> did steal a lot of Joey Hayes's moves uh, that was another great match as well so yeah maybe yeah for someone like yourself could be worth checking out I mean uh, yeah I mean Joey Hayes or Martin Kirby are they are they the types of names you've seen much of or is it yeah uh, yeah no I've seen a reasonable amount like Martin Kirby used to be down south a reasonable amount um when he was doing Project Ego stuff, he was in Rev Pro a bit. He's been in a few cockpit shows as well. I've seen him a couple of other places as well before, sort of random spot shows here and there. So mm. I've seen quite a bit of Martin Kirby, um, and he's always been a perfectly solid wrestler. Oh, I saw him a couple of times when he was uh, obviously in, in what culture as well during his big push. So Yeah, they, they really yeah, got I've behind always... him there. That he, kind of, he was the GM for a while, wasn't he? And that kind of was like his home. He's just somebody who seems to slip through the cracks when it comes to... You know, it, it's great that, yeah, this year he finally got, you know, he got a little bit of attention in that regard. But, yeah, he's someone who, I mean, he's been a bit of a, a secret for a few years. Yeah, it's almost like he came along sort of, not at the wrong time, but maybe like, uh, if he was maybe three, four years younger at this point in time, I could see the WWE interest being there potentially. Mm. But then he's not someone that progress have ever really booked or got behind either. So, you look at the WWE UK roster and outside of, say, Ashton Smith and Amir Jordan, it really looks like a kind of progress heavy mm-hmm. uh, roster, doesn't it, if anything? So I think he's been a little bit unlucky there. Uh, it's interesting you saying about um, Zach Gibson being back in GPW because there was that controversy with the ITV WWE stuff. So mm. I, I, we're not going to see Zach Gibson facing CJ Banks, I'm going to assume, there if uh, ITV are on tour and hoping to get a second series so it sounds like a bit of a you know political situation could arise there at some point as well do you think yeah it's always difficult isn't it to kind of balance when you've got if you're using both itv talents and you're using nxt talent so you know we mentioned martin kirby being on the show being an itv guy now yeah local shows like this are the shows where you might struggle where you can't get away with you know getting away with matches that maybe ott seem to be able to get away with but yeah, it creates like a weird political landscape, doesn't it? Of a, a mix of those guys, and yeah, the the smaller shows like this are the, are the ones that it uh, it tends to really really affect. Uh, speaking of that, I mean, yeah, on the on the show itself, I, I mean, the only other notes I was was you know Sam Grabwell who 
again, doesn't he's been on a little, the NXT UK shows recently. He's someone that doesn't get booked around a lot. He's going to be out long-term injured for, until at least next year, I believe. Um, quite quite well into next year. They were building, they're building a story with him and the owner, Johnny Brannigan, and he is so good on the mic, crowd. well as heel. Again, I know I'm biased, but he's someone who, you know, I'd say people should keep an eye out for um, as far as that goes and having that in his locker. A bit like the, the Josh Bowden problem, where you kind of look at him and go, you're so good on these on these small amount of shows that we get to see on, you know, at least the ones that make tape. I know he works uh, he works around a lot, but yeah, he's somewhere he's the type of person who yeah, I see in angles like this at live shows and and wonder why he's he's not elsewhere. Um but yeah, that was really fun on the show. There was a, a fun flyers four way with it. this young lad Jack Griffith who looked had all the hallmarks of a young Osprey just flying around the ring very very rough around the edges like Osprey was at the start, but he felt like a name I'd uh, I'd say people should keep keep an eye out for and yeah they've got their uh their cruiserweight tournament coming up uh at the end of this month as well so hopefully at some point uh you and jp can make it down to a to a gpw show with me and we can uh we can check it out oh mate i'd love to i'd love to i always enjoy my time up north um love to make it up a bit more regularly if i could so maybe we'll have to look at the calendar and see when gpw are, are running in wigan and there's maybe another show or two on that weekend as well that's it i mean what one other show that i actually i said i went to two the other show i went to i don't know if i'd recommend you make a long trip for it it was fun this is a, it was a company called this is wrestling uh, very much when they, when they first came out I saw the name and just thought yeah, yeah you just uh, maybe a bit of gimmick infringement on progress there even down to the, uh, the their Twitter name they, they ran a, they ran, it was very much like the type of show that we'd never talk about on here normally like a social club show uh, they had a wrestler on there that, Mr. Cat who's a, basically a dude dressed in a cat's costume uh, wrestling shows. He, he runs his own promotion in Warrington as well, Mr. Cat's Wrestling. I don't know if word of him is, uh, has ever got, got translated uh, as far as where you are, Joe, but yeah, that pretty much sums up the type of show it was. It was in the middle of Skelmsdale, which is oh yeah, the middle of nowhere. I can't imagine anyone listening to this podcast. It's basically just a load of roundabouts. Uh, it's like Milton Keynes. Kind of, but much more rural. It's about 20 minutes, 30 minutes from me. Uh, I took my mate and my son because my son my mate and him my mate and his son <laughs> i took my mate and his son and i took them to sabootle last year when i got to see sabu in a in a bootle leisure center and we we hadn't took my mate's son to a, to a show since then so i kind of thought oh yeah we'll we'll go and maybe it'll be you know maybe not quite the uh, the level of getting to see sabu flinging chairs around in a in a leisure center but he might get uh, some entertainment value out of it and all in all it was fun um again a very family show the ca- the type of venue where drinks were cheap it was like two pound for a pint something like that because again it very much was like a like an old british legion social club that kind of place uh ring set up on carpet that probably hasn't been cleaned in 30 years or has got stains on it from the 70s and the 80s that kind of gritty kind of venue um, but still, just just really family fun. A show more for the kids. I mean, there were good wrestlers on the show. Big Joe, someone you might have heard of. Uh, big Joe Guns, who does like a yeah, yeah, s- yeah. small guy who, who thinks he's a big guy. Uh, Sheikh El Shamu, uh, put, I wrote the thing on it in Fighting Spirit and made him the uh, we made him the one to watch for uh, the latest issue. I kind of enjoyed the fact that he came out as a big heel 
with that fighting spirit magazine holding up the article that i did uh, using it as manager using it for heat that was a proud moment i enjoyed that um, he's someone who genuinely does look like a star when you see him in settings like this he's twice as big as everyone out there as you know from seeing him in the stanley arms um, oh, yeah. but also as a very big he was on uh they had them doing what you know the way they do the backstage stuff on Raw when they're in the UK. He was in the background yeah, of one yeah. of the shots when uh, Braun Strowman was walking <laughs> past. He's someone who I guarantee will end up there. He'll end up at WWE. Um, he's just got the size, the look. He's great on the mic as well. He looked like a star in the setting as well. But yeah, all in all, there were there were a lot of good wrestlers on the show. Sean only looked good. Terry is it looked good. There's a female wrestler, Jessica Light, who was a bit rough, but very likable young wrestler from that Fighting Spirit school. The show was loaded with Fighting Spirit wrestlers. There was a Darius Lockhart over as well from from the US, who wasn't a name I'd particularly heard of, who looked good on the show as well. Just interesting, to be honest, getting to see a lot, a lot of wrestlers that I know from the local scene, some that I'll see on the likes of, of GPW or Fighting Spirit shows, but also some talent that kind of goes beneath the radar as well just uh see maybe a, a different side of the wrestling scene uh sounds interesting it sounds like uh 4fw in this sort of neck of the woods down in swindon that we get to see occasionally where mm. you've got some really solid workers on there but you never really see them outside of that kind of region if anything it sort of mm. seems like these southwest shows and that's about all really but i think if me and jp make it up we'll have to find a weekend of uh, more obscure shows that we can go to maybe oh yeah there's plenty of them there's so much going on i think that that's a problem there's a lot of crossover in the northwest as far as shows go you see you know the likes of the warrington shows the mr cat stuff wrestle pro in salford this happening here it does feel like it may be a bit of a an oversaturation for not a, a huge space i mean the this this is wrestling promotion they they run in skelmsdale but i think that there was a bit of controversy because initially they were trying to run the the basically the same street that uh, the gpw run or not or not far from there so there's a bit of a territorial war going on as well and they are a promotion that i probably would say are a couple of notches below the level of a of a gpw or a future shock but still fun just yeah i think they're a young promotion as well it's one of those things where it feels a lot like they were trying to get every wrestler that they knew on the card there were like something like 28 maybe 30 wrestlers on the show and you know more fans than that but not a huge amount more fans than that (laughs) and that can be a problem you know when you we have like this slew of, of so many shows in in small areas in you know if you're going to run, run a british legion like that you, you you're hardly going to be drawing like 500 600 people so you you wonder about the math sometimes and some of the booking was a bit off there was the the, the top baby faces i mean there was a couple of lads who kind of it was a family show but the main event was a no dq match um that went it was a no dq match that somehow went to a no contest on a show where there were a lot of heels going over as well and a, a lot of the baby faces were kind of well there was a couple of baby faces on the show that were like you know coming out all dressed in black to death metal doing mma gimmicks in that main Jeez. event that just yeah there was like a, a crisis of exactly who they are i think if you're going to be a family show be a family show uh, and you know you don't have to have a main event that ends like that and have so many heels go over and and you maybe need a few more likable baby faces they were maybe my main critiques of the show but still it's kind of cool to see that the places like this are around because while people yeah might might sniff at it at least you know although there were maybe far too many wrestlers on this particular show it's good that you know wrestlers are, are out there and, and getting work 
Sure. Uh, me and JP are off to Welsh wrestling. Uh, a week Saturday in Kidlington, which is not in Wales. Basically, the suburb of Oxford that oh. I live in. So oh, this wow. venue's about a five-minute walk from my house. So I don't think there's ever going to be a wrestling show any closer to where I live ever. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to this what's, one. What's the deal with that Welsh wrestling in Oxford? Is there a big Welsh contingent? or what's uh, the... I think Welsh wrestling doesn't do a, a, a... Well, from what I've seen, they don't do a great deal of shows in Wales. So I've seen them in... Um, they've had shows in Whitney, which is down the like sort of just down the road from me it's where me and jp work <laughs> um, and they've had shows in the, like the little sort of town hall there before that we've unfortunately not been able to make um they've had show they've shows in bristol which i suppose is right near wales and little sort of towns around that area as well so it seems like they're coming a bit out of their way this time but mm. i think that's just the name of the promotion if anything i don't think there's i don't know if like the the, it's promoted by Welshmen. <laughs> Operation is based out of Wales, and maybe the trade they've got a trading school that's got some sort of Welsh-related setup. But yeah, Welsh wrestling. So I look forward to that. <laughs> I was just trying to bring up that you sent me a picture of the, the poster or the, or the Facebook event. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at it all Welsh wrestling, Kidlington, and I can't. I think I, James Mason's on the poster. I couldn't tell you who any of the rest of the wrestlers are. Like it's just is that Mikey Whiplash on the poster? Is that somebody who's just got a Mikey Whiplash style gimmick? I think it's just a dude who looks a lot like Mikey Whiplash. I mean right. not great audio, but yeah, for, for just use your imagination, we've got a couple of dudes in masks who may or may not really be the people who appear on the show. There's a dude in a big daddy looking costume with like a red top hat on. Uh, there's a lot of muscly looking dudes at the front who I do not recognise one bit. One guy looks like a buff PJ Black. Couldn't tell you who he is. It looks very much... I mean, I'm talking about wrestling that's kind of off the beaten track that we might not usually talk about on this show. You're going to introduce us to a, a lot of new faces uh, if you and JP end up at this one. Oh yeah, can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. We'll be there. Uh, like, I've got no excuses. Like I said, it's five minute walk from where I live. The pub across the road I'll be doing the pub quiz there tomorrow. Come second the last two weeks, open to win. So, um, yeah, it, it's so close, it's ridiculous. So I think it would be an insult if I wasn't there, to be honest. So This could Welsh be your rest- sabot, all mate. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> Welsh wrestlers will be getting some coverage on here, though. So, yeah. That's it. That's what we try and do. You know, it's not it's not all Rev Joe in progress. We'll try and uh, <laughs> give some spotlight to to other companies where we can. Um, but I suppose, yeah, on that subject, I mean, Joe, you did. I mean, unlikely for you, you you did go to a Rev Pro show at the weekend. Maybe a bit more newsworthy to what our audience are used for. You went to to the cockpit show. I mean, uh, how was that at the weekend? I heard mi- mixed reviews about it. Um, generally positive but i have had some misgivings on these cockpit shows lately um maybe the fact that they're not exactly tied to what happens at the bigger rev pro shows um do you give any do you think that's a fair critique did they do a good job of uh wetting your appetite for uh, for uprising on friday um oh, it's hard to say there were bits of it that did like david Starr, i thought was great on this show uh, he cut a great promo after his match against shane taylor i like the setup of him having a match against a big guy 
um, before going into his match of Ishii's. It proves he can overcome a big guy, a heavyweight guy. And also it's sort of like wearing him down with the Andy Quilden conspiracy thing that's going on <laughs> in Rev Pro before the big match as well. So it ties into that. I thought Star was great on the show. And I thought the build, I think they were hindered a little bit by not having him be able to go over Kushida, which I'm assuming was going to happen in Brixton leading into the Ishii match. I think we said that on the last show and someone kind of pulled, because it was me who mainly said that, and someone pulled me up and went, hang on. Kashida's the junior heavyweight champion, as if they were putting David Starr over him. Um, uh, yeah. But, that would put, but then that's weird, isn't it? Because if they are going to this David Starr getting a, a title shot stuff, I wonder what the, the exit plan was for that match. I suppose we'll never know at this point, will we? But mm. I, I doubt... Yeah, who knows? Who knows? We can speculate all we want on that one, I suppose. Mm. But, yeah, the promo was great. He's been awesome on these cockpit shows this year. Like, I think on the last show we spoke about how no one's really staked that claim in RevPro, especially on these cockpit shows. It's kind of the man in RevPro um, that's there consistently since really Marty went and since Osprey stopped appearing as consistently for RevPro. Star's the closest they've got to that, I think, in a way, in terms of that guy that you know is going to turn up every month, deliver every month, and give you something really interesting every month. He is super over with the majority of fans who go to those cockpit shows. There's a really odd minority of people who really dislike him. Sort of, um, You're talking four or five people. And I just find this weird, irrational David Starr hatred the weirdest thing going in British wrestling right now. I don't know what it's based on, but it seems like it's quite mm. personal in many ways. And it's a real shame that that is really tied in to people trying to, I don't know, get on someone's back. Um, it's weird, isn't it? Because you, you say Britain, but it happened when we were me and JP were in Germany. We kind of alluded to it on the WXW show, but it was kind of weird seeing David Starr get outright cheered by all the German fans and there was some of the travelling contingents who, you know, you, you can cheer or boo whoever you, you like but it felt like there and it sounds like from what you're saying about the cockpit that there are some people who are going to boo David Starr not based on his promos, not based on his wrestling and I guess he is a heel in, in, in Rev Pro so that you, I can forgive it and maybe in this scenario, I don't know about you but but it's more based, like you say, it does feel like there's like this weird undercurrent of shitty rumours that people have heard in their DMs or have gotten too maybe a bit too involved in the in the personal life of a wrestler. I mean I've talked to Jamesy about this, who's one of our one of our good friends and he's said before that he's blocked David Starr on Twitter because he can't deal with his real life stuff, but he's still one of his favourite wrestlers in the world. I think you almost need to make that separation sometimes because it's not I don't really understand like getting that wrapped up in, in a wrestler's personal life to the point where it's got really nothing to do with what they're actually doing in ring or, or on shows at this point. I'll be honest. Uh, I think it's a minority of people who are very close on Twitter and a very um, tight knit as a result of Twitter. And, you know, they meet up at sh shows and maybe mates because of, you know, meeting via Twitter and wrestling, having that common interest, which is cool. Um, but at the same time, I think there's very much this sort of consensus opinion um, amongst like a, a certain group of I don't know Twitter based fans, it's that sort of stuff that was one of the reasons I was like oh, I can't be bothered with Twitter. It's not the, it's not the real world. Um, it doesn't represent what's actually going on and what people are actually really feeling in many ways. Um, so I, I don't understand it. I think David Starr's great. I think he's delivered on several levels this year as a heel and as a face. I think his promos have been 
some of the best that I've seen in, in the world this year, if anything. He's got some great storylines going both in Red Pro and in WXW. Mm. He's got himself over wherever he's gone. Like how anyone could think this guy's a bad wrestler or they couldn't enjoy or they couldn't get anything out of watching him just baffles me, if mm. anything. And it does feel like it's completely irrational and not very constructive. And it feels like it's based on really, I suppose an emotion for thing uh, based around things that he's done not inside a wrestling ring if mm. anything which is i don't know a bit of a shame and we're not even alluding to anything here are we we're not kind of but i say no it's, it's another one of you know insert name um i don't want to get threatened with a lawsuit again um <laughs> insert I don't know what the name, fuck he's done I, you know I, it's I, not no like interest. it's no not a big interest. drama is it it's just some kind of it's not a, like a big news story or something terrible that he's done that's going to break one day. Like you'll hear rumors about other wrestlers sometimes. It's just that people have taken a personal dislike into him, and it just yeah, uh, it's just got nothing to do with with the wrestler. I don't get it. You don't have to watch people who you know you don't want to watch, but I don't know. I think the, the comes up. I think it's a bit like you remember the Briscoes thing when they came over to Fight Club Pro, oh, yeah. and you can have your opinion on that. But when people were booing the Briscoes. Not based on well, booing them based on you know something. Walking they, out, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that happened too, but they got heat. They got wrestling heat, and when you're going to give people wrestling heat, like people will do to David Starr when he says he's uh, the right, uh, yeah, yeah. when he does his Twitter line on his intro, um, he's really really good at Twitter stuff, and people will boo that, and it's like you're giving him wrestling heat for something that is nothing to do with wrestling, and that kind of happened with the Briscoes as well, where it's like, is that the way to deal with it? I don't know what the right way to deal with the Briscoes was. Uh, maybe that's an aside, and it's a different point, but yeah, I don't really understand this, giving wrestling heat to, to something because of shitty things that you've uh, you've heard about him in your DMs. Yeah, no, I'm completely with you, and I hope it goes away. And to be honest, I hope that my vocal minority doesn't ruin what could be a great match on Friday to be honest set up as the babyface for Friday that was what I read in the reviews that's a bit weird though isn't it considering I mean again I could I know know there are other reasons why people boo him but I could forgive people maybe still booing him because he's been such a strong heel on these cockpit shows it does feel a little bit out of nowhere to to paint him as the babyface for this one don't you think well, what I think they've done is I think they've noticed that people were cheering him mm. and I think they've let him continue along that same trajectory with his character. But I think I think that they've picked up on the fact that there's a little bit of resentment as to the New Japan uh, guy sort of going over constantly and the belts not being in the company and the promotion. Mm. And I think he's putting himself across as the only guy who turns up with his belt every month, the only guy who's consistent in the promotion with his belt every month. So he's kind of this representative of Rev Pro and this mm. consistent aspect of Rev Pro that maybe isn't there with the other belts being on Japanese or pr- prominently Japanese talent. And I think they've kind of gone, okay, there are a lot of our crowd who are getting a little bit annoyed about the New Japan stuff. Mm. So let's use this to get David Starr over as a baby face. Um, and I think, if I'm honest, it'll probably make for a better atmosphere in that at that York Hall show. Because as much as I, I love Ishii, um, I think cheering on Starr is kind of an underdog in that match. And this is the biggest match of Starr's career, really, isn't it? Mm. Um, I think it'll make for a more fun dynamic in the match as well. And he is that guy that is kind of similar to Marty. Marty was a heel in Rev Pro and he carried on being a heel, but he got over as a face. It's that weird 
wrestling dynamic that's existed. Didn't always love that years. though. I think that made for some weird. Like some of those Zach matches were really weird ah, because yeah. of that. That's yeah, kind of, I wouldn't I think... want them to step too far. Maybe as a one-off, I, think I can forgive it. He's the smaller man in an Ishii match. He's probably going to be, like you say, he's going to be the underdog anyway. Um, I think he'd be the smaller man anyway. I think he's just a bit smaller than Ishii. Yeah, I, I don't know. As a one-off, I don't mind it, but I don't know if I want to go long-term into Marty territory. I don't know if that's a, yeah. that's a positive lesson to learn. Well, let's see where we go with it, I suppose. Um, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to that match. It wasn't a match I expected to see. I was really amazed when they announced it as the main event, to be honest with you. Did you give them any uh, chance of winning that? No, I don't think he'll win it. I think mm. Aussie Open will beat Suzuki and Zach for the tag belts because I, I honestly don't think you can have both uh, sets of Japanese talent go mm. over and continue with the belts when there is that underlying resentment from a lot of fans towards the belts being on the New Japan guys at this point in time. Read between so I think the we'll lines. See- I mean, them taking the belt off Suzuki, the, 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 the British title off Suzuki, it says to me they haven't got many dates on him. So surely, yeah, he's got to be dropping the belts. Yeah, I could see Ishii coming back. I could see Ishii maybe defending uh, the belt at the Tokyo Dome as well. I think you can continue with Ishii with that world title for a little bit and have it be credible and have it um, still be an interesting belt. Whereas I think those tag belts do need to come back because there's such a a sort of good undercurrent of tag team wrestling in Rev Pro right now. Mm. And I think if you can make Aussie Open another consistent presence on the cockpit and give them a run like Quilden did with CCK Mm. when he started booking the Banks and Brooks version of CCK, which were a really, really good presence on cockpit shows month to month. And I do think since Travis Banks has gone, he has really been missed as part of that unit on these shows. Mm. I think you could you could kind of put Aussie Open into that CCK position and have uh, sort of main event tag team matches on some of the smaller shows and it, and it work, if anything, because there are a lot of good teams for them to face uh, coming through at the moment that they're booking. Uh, we've seen a few of them on the TV show as well. So, uh, yeah, I think that would, would be a good route to go down if they want to keep the belt on Ishii. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's the way they'll go. Like you say, you, could, you can use the other CCK um, and get some big matches out of that with, with Aussie Open. You could do a series. Like you say, the TV is full of you know up-and-coming tag teams, HXE people like that, that you could use. Uh, yeah, I think that, I think there's definitely mileage in that. I think that's got to be the direction they're going. Um, I mean, any other thoughts on that Uprising card or, or anything else from, from the cockpit uh, on Sunday? Uh, cockpit show, I thought... Uh, the thing is with these cockpit shows, for me, they're so easy to get to and the wrestling's always good. Mm. Even though some of the storyline stuff may not connect always, if you're watching it purely as a sort of wrestling spectacle, they're always good shows. Um, Speedball Mike Bailey and Chris Ridgway had a Oh, big things about bit. that. Really, really great match. I was watching mm. Will Ospreay, who was there in the on the balcony, losing his shit, going absolutely mad. Like I think he's caught me watching him as well because he made eye contact a couple of times. But there was a point where I think he didn't mind the fact that I, he noticed me watching because he started shaking his head after one spot as well in my direction. It was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you and Ospreay, best mates, just like Ospreay and JP. Who isn't JP best friends with? Let's, let's be honest here. <laughs> um, so... 
yeah, that was a great match. Some really inventive stuff from Bailey as well. The way that Bailey uses his legs and his mm. knees and his body in matches, and he uses them as a form of offense, but also as a way to sell and to base a story around, is great. And he was kind of the perfect opponent for Ridgeway. Like I'm, st- I'm still not 100 percent sold on Ridgeway. No, I don't think he's he's fully there yet. He's got a way to go, but he's having good matches, um, and he's getting over. I think on those cockpit shows by having solid matches month to month. <laughs> necessity as well isn't it like we said on the last show i'm not the biggest ridgeway fan but if rev pro is going to get behind somebody i'd take a chance on it if i was andy quill and i was running rev pro i'd be taking a chance on chris ridgeway as someone that you could use yeah absolutely and he's been used effectively on these shows he's always put against opponents that he's got chemistry with and that he can have a good match with and this was another example of this um if you were going to watch anything from this show i'd watch the star promo i'd maybe watch the star shane taylor match it was good for what it was um but i'd definitely watch this match this was a top match um Good to see Shah Samuels back at the cockpit as well. Mm. Um, obviously, I'm a massive Shah Samuels fan. <laughs> and watching Shah Samuels doing some comedy with uh, Juicy Gambino was... I believe was, he got his arse out. That was the main thing I read in the spoilers. Yeah, uh, that arse was all over the place, yeah. <laughs> but seeing the Nick Cotton of Rev Pro back in his manner was, <laughs> was a joy, i got to say. Uh, the more Shah Samuels, the better, please. Um He's one of my favorite, not because he's. A, I think he's like great in the ring, but just as a character, who I just find entertaining, mm. and I always get a kick from. He's one of my absolute favorites. So I hope he becomes another consistent presence on these shows because he's definitely been missing on them. Yeah, uh, Juicy Gambino had a lot of ass on the show. Um, yeah, uh, ass was flapping all over the place. So if you like bare bottoms, uh, tune into this one, I suppose. <laughs> <That's my> recommendation. <laughs> Yeah, but overall, I thought it was a perfectly solid show. Some of the booking was a little bit confusing at points. Like I wish that Aussie Open maybe got a promo mm. leading into their match with uh, Zach and Suzuki. That would have been um, something I'd have definitely done. Uh, but their match with HXC, um, James Castle and Dan Head, I thought was perfectly good for what it was. I think Castle's really stepped it up. Um, and I think this tag team is a scrappy kind of brawler tag team is actually pretty good. And they're really finding themselves as characters as well. So, yeah, I think they're a good presence on these shows as well. So I'll be going back to the cockpit again in December, hopefully. Oh, good stuff. Um, yeah, I- I've still not made my... A journey to the cockpit, but it's it's definitely something I want to do. I mean, I considered coming down to Uprising on Friday, maybe a bit soon. I've got a spare ticket. A bit soon after Tag League, I just can't do it. I can't justify it. Um, I was tempted, Ishii and Star is a match that I want to see, um, just out of curiosity as much as anything as to what they do with it. I think Aussie Open and, uh, and Suzuki Goon, Zack Sabre and Minoru Suzuki will be, will be good. Bodum and Ridgeway. I mean, you mentioned Ridgeway just then. That's an interest. They, they built that one up. That's a you know an interesting match. I, I could see that being fun. I think uh, Bodum running away from Ridgeway, trying to kick his head off, is a is a chemistry that I'd enjoy. Uh, and they got Mike Bailey back on against M- MK McKinnon as well. Not really sold on MK McKinnon, but interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm tempted. But yeah, uh, I don't know. T- tai Chi and Chris Brooks is another match on that card. That didn't uh, didn't really oh. particularly convince me to come. Uh, to me, the Taiji Chris Brooks booking is kind of the peak of why is Taiji here? Um, like, <laughs> just like, be the, just be thankful he's not never champion anymore. Because if if Taiji, this bum heel from New Japan, had gone over Chris Brooks, who's supposedly 
going to be one of the top heels in, in Rev Pro. I think that would have been the peak bad Rev Pro Brooking. Surely at this point, Chris Brooks is going to win. Um, but I was when when the match was first announced and he was still champion. I was I was very worried about that. Yeah, I hope this one goes about two minutes. I've just mm-hmm. got no interest in in seeing it. Like I'm not sold on Brooks as a single yet. Mm. I think he needs a better opponent than a Tai Chi, um, really. And I just think to myself, who's going to this show to see Tai Chi? Who's bothered about Tai Chi? Um, he had a bad match with Will Ospreay in Altrincham. Like, who's ever had a bad match <laughs> with Will Ospreay? He's the only man alive who's had a bad match with Will Ospreay. Like, that really does say something about Tai Chi for my money. Um, mm. Yeah, he's shite. Um, <laughs> if you're but, a karaoke fan, though, you might be into him. I've seen some people who are fans. but Mate, yeah, I'm a karaoke fan. I, Andy Ogden's a karaoke fan. <laughs> I've heard all about his Robbie Williams renditions. I've done karaoke a few times. I'm not a Tai Chi fan. <laughs> um, so I don't think the two necessarily correlate in, in that way, maybe. But I just think to myself... There are these little underlying complaints about New Japan stuff, especially after the Brixton show. Mm. And does anyone want to see Taichi? I I don't think so. I can't see how he's adding anything to this card. I can't see Taichi selling a ticket. Kojima Walter has me interested. Walter cancelled a Defiant booking for that, you know. He was supposed to be on a Defiant show. Yeah, yeah, and he cancelled last minute, and then this got announced. I found that interesting because, like, the rumours of of Walter and... uh, I've I've had people outright tell me that he's, again, rumour and conjecture that he signed an NXT contract and Meltzer's talk circles around that as well. I hope it's not a case of him getting through, you know, getting, he saw that where he thought, this is a once in a lifetime. If I sign that contract, I've got to be at RevPro to work Kojima. That concerns me a little bit, that, but yeah, weird that he, uh, again, that he dropped a fine to to rush to do RevPro. And and weird as well, if he allegedly has signed this NXT UK contract, that that he is still working RevPro at the moment. And I think he's announced for the cockpit going forward as well. Okay, that's interesting. I, pr- I pray to God he hasn't signed an NXT UK contract because he's killing it on the indies at the moment, and I wouldn't want to see him go away. Or, or I w- basically, I wouldn't want to not see Walter on shows that I want to watch, basically, and I can't say I care about watching NXT UK. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I'm, Kojima, I'm a, I've been a big fan of for years. Walter, I think this is a natural matchup. I, I think they'll deliver. I think this will be something pretty interesting. Hmm. Um, it, I think the card looks good. Um, I don't think it looks necessarily blow away, but it's definitely a an interesting card. With a lot of intrigue going into it as well. It's not sold out though, which is which is interesting. I think it's a lot of big shows in a short amount of time. Yeah, it wasn't a lot of time, was it, to get prepared for this thing after after Global Wars and for people like me to travel out. It did, yeah, it just felt like it came a bit too soon. Yeah, and on a Friday night as well. Mm. Um, and I don't think there's that. We've had Ishii over a lot this year. We've had Suzuki over a lot. I don't think there are necessarily those big draws in the same way. But it just makes me wonder if we've met sort of saturation point at this point in time with the amount of big shows going on and maybe the formula on uh, of the York Hall shows with the New Japan talent. I don't know. It's a, maybe a conversation that we'll have at another point when we get the attendance on this. But, yeah, it's certainly interesting that that's two York Hall shows in a row now that I don't think have sold out. I mean, not to give a teaser of what our... We've got one other subject first before we get to our main subject of progress, but progress haven't sold out the next ballroom show. It's on a Monday because NXT UK is running on the weekends. But last time I checked, uh, again, I think uh, I think there were first... I think the first row was gone. I think the first two or three rows were gone. But when was the last time you saw a cockpit show where 
a week Ballroom. after tickets. <laughs> Sorry, ballroom show. We're a week after tickets go on sale that, that, that they're still going. Again, I know it's a Monday. I think that says a lot similar to the Friday thing with RevPro, that there's a heavy traveling contingent that can't go. Um, but yeah, that, that piqued my interest a little bit. Uh, I don't think we're saying that the, 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 uh, you know, the bubble is bursted on Brit Res or anything like that, but there is a lot going on, isn't there? And yeah, you, I think we're a lot, you rely more on traveling fans now that, than ever before. And yeah, you can, you could understand people skipping a, a Monday night or a, or a Friday night show. Yeah. I think, uh, it's really interesting that you say about that, not selling out because they've turned their product into a secondary product. Mm. By basically saying, well, unless WWE UK shows are announced, then these these shows are <laughs> and I'd be pissed off about that um, because you're announcing the date, but you're saying the date could move. Why announce the date in the first place? Like, why not try and get? I, I, I you know, it's WWE. I know it's yeah. a big company. I know they work differently, but you are essentially saying your product is a secondary product when you're doing that and this can move because um old big daddy over here may come and give us a tap on the shoulder and yeah (laughs) fuck that um this is where my interest in progress has really kind of died (laughs) if i'm completely honest um i've got no interest in going to a ballroom show anytime soon because i don't think they value their product in the way they used to value their product because their main source of income is coming from WWE UK at this point. And if I'm honest, talking about saturation point, and again, this may be a subject for another time, I think we've maybe reached the peak. I think we're going to look back at 2018, see almost 5,000 for Wembley. We're mm. going to look at those Rev Pro New Japan shows and see, what, 2,500, 3,000. We're going mm. to think, shit, there's some big attendances that we drew in 2018. I can see 2019 maybe... Uh, houses falling a little bit um oh, that's so much product being out there isn't it yeah so much. absolutely i mean absolutely. NXT, you touch on nxt uk i mean if that's on the network every week i'm not keeping up with it i don't know if everyone's going to be trying to keep up with it but yeah it, it it stretches doesn't it i mean i to be honest i'd rather go i mean nxt uk is running in liverpool next month and the tickets are about £35, I'd gladly go to another ballroom show over that. I'd gladly go and pay, just because you get, you know, I think you're getting, essentially getting the same roster, but you're getting better value for money. Um, I mean, we're going to talk about progress in more detail in a sec, but does does NXT UK interest you? We didn't get a huge, I mean, you hadn't seen the uh, the RevPro TV last time we talked. We talked a little bit about NXT UK TV. Have you seen much more of that? Yeah, you're in any way interested in that product? Uh, I, I it feels like uh, the interest isn't there. It feels like after months and years of build, I mean, we're recording now two episodes have just happened on the network. It's almost like they've got so much in the can, they're just shitting them out on the network and throwing them on uh, with little fanfare. Um, and it does feel like, yeah, that this big thing that we all expected to happen in the UK to be the peak of the boom, as you said earlier. Um, I don't know if it's, uh, if it's quite been that. Great for the wrestlers involved, but... Mm, uh, the peak of the boom I don't know uh, I wonder how great it's going to be for the wrestlers long term as well because I think if if the boom has kind of peaked and houses start falling and maybe the NXT UK houses start falling how long are the WWE going to stay involved in this the guys are on very casual contracts with the four and the eight month renewal points you wonder after eight months 
Are they going to be put on another casual contract? How many of these guys are going to get calls to go to Florida at some point? You know, I wonder if short term is really good. I wonder how positive it is long term. Um, mm. It's an interesting one. Uh, like, but that's so the dudes on- who've been working house shows this week are, are made up. Um, it's just the, it's the other side of the coin, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and. I'm I'm not going to watch cynically driven wrestling, and this is what this is. The guys may work hard on the shows, mm. and fair play to them. There's a lot of talent on there, and it's nothing against them at all. But when a company is coming into your country and kind of trying to take over a scene so they can have a piece of the pie because they want to be wrestling, well, but they don't want to use the term wrestling at the same time, so it's a bit weird. <laughs> um, I'm just not going to watch it. Like mm. I'm. I'm just fed up of WWE. They're a vile company. I've got to be honest. I'm, Let's I'm, be completely honest. I'm weeks behind, and the problem—well, two weeks behind now—and the problem is because there's two hour episodes every week. It's very quick. It's very easy to fall behind right now on this NXT UK product. I feel like uh, I have to watch it because of the other podcast that I do, and partly because of this one as well. So I'm sure I'll I'll catch up eventually, but I can't say I'm excited about doing it. Um, I mean, have you have you been watching any of it? I mean, again, our subject on our last podcast was comparing it to RevPro. I think the RevPro TV product is is a much easier watch for me, and I'm I'm much more excited about seeing that than I am seeing any more NXT UK. Um, it almost feels like a job watching that thing. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I watched I've watched the first two NXT UK episodes. That second episode, I was liberally skipping through, and then I've been so busy the last couple of weeks that I've not had a chance. And I've I've made time for the Rev Pro show. Um, I've watched all three weeks of that, and I've gone out of my way to watch it because there are a few issues with it. As I said in the last episode, I don't get it on my TV because of the signal, so I've mm. been having to watch it on that TV player app when it airs. So I've had to catch a couple of repeat viewings on various evenings, mm. um, and I thoroughly enjoyed each week of that. show. Show. I think as far as TV wrestling goes, it's presented really well. Um, it's all logical. Mm. There are characters that have been presented nicely. Um, they thought about how to get guys over and how to establish them as well. I just think it's quite a nice product, and it's based around a group of people wanting, or primarily Quilden, I suppose, wanting to present a product to an audience that engages them and gives them something. And let's be honest, it's it's got a niche audience because it's not done amazing in terms of ratings, but in terms of what it's delivering to that niche, I can't complain about that at all. Whereas, you know, the WWE product, there's nothing unique about it. I can go and watch hours of WWE and find more or less the same type of content. Mm. See people like, working those types of matches yeah. in, in that style, road agents in that certain way. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, why do I want to watch Gnome Dar wrestle WWE style? I never liked Gnome Dar when he wasn't wrestling WWE style. <laughs> same. Um, I've just got so little interest. And there's just so much TV in the can as well mm. that they've got. It's just, it just feels like they're hoarding booking oh sorry hoarding material and content Mm. in the same way they're hoarding wrestlers at the (laughs) moment um and yeah i just can't wait until well i don't know what i can't wait until i can't wait until wwe maybe (laughs) i don't know gets fucked over on the stock market and the stock price falls dramatically (laughs) or something or maybe linda mcmahon fucks up in 
uh, in Trump's cabinet and something <laughs> happens there or, I don't know, some allegation comes out about someone in, in the company and it causes something to, to crash. Uh, I sound like a horrible person. So <laughs> people to be out of a job. But... There's a lot of people there, you know, guys who are UK guys under small money, but money deals. Lots of uh, families at stake. I wouldn't quite want them to fall out of business, but... Yeah. No, uh, I don't want to go out of business, but I think they've just got so much freaking money at the moment yeah. that they can just throw so much money around and be so lazy when yeah. it comes to the effort they put into the actual product. Like, they're not firing on all cylinders, and they haven't done for a long time. And this UK show is so directionless. Like, what is the direction of this? Where's it going? Where's it heading? It just feels so, I don't know, but it's not good, let's yeah. be honest. It's a, I mean, I would, I'd say it's a solid one hour of TV, but similar to NXT proper, if you missed four weeks of it, it doesn't really matter. And it, it, it and you can probably dive back in. You can jump in on the big matches. I believe uh, Pete Dunne and Martin Stone had a killer match on the latest episode. I don't know if that piques your interest. Yeah, I like both know. guys. I imagine they click. There you go. That might, that might get you back in for a match, but... Yeah, it, it does feel like it's months old. It's not of any importance. It's just network content that's being just thrown on there willy-nilly. Uh, maybe once we get through these this huge block of tapings they've got backed up, maybe it'll feel a bit more urgent and a bit more like something that I, that I want to go out my way to check out every week. Um, but yeah, right now I'm not particularly excited about it. And I think it's it's the fact that it's WWE as well. The fact that it's it's you know we can talk about you know it ending at some point. And again, good for the wrestlers. But about NXT UK is just going to be like this forever now. WWE don't tend to cancel much um, as far as you know brands go. 205 Live still stinking it up on the network. Um, I, I know there are fans of 205 Live out there, but that thing does barely any viewers. I believe NXT UK. I think it was in the Observer last week did much better than 205 live on the network that that was interesting to me that it was that nxt uk was uh was, was actually doing quite well i suppose in comparison to 205 live but it also says to me that yeah this is it's not like rev pro where their tv we know there's only so many episodes i can't imagine it's gonna run year round i appreciate that maybe there's that end in sight i always like that about lucha underground have a, fin- have a finale NXT UK just feels like something while they've got the wrestlers on on the contract, they're just going to continue to do these mammoth tapings and throw these shows on the network. And yeah, you know, some people might enjoy it, but to me, it's just it's just a slog. Let's see if they get value for money from it because mm-hmm. it surely it's got to be an expense to uh, not fly wrestlers over, but to fly crew and gear over. That's got to be an expense. And mm-hmm. let's see if yeah, let's see if this carries on. I'm right. I'm. Ah, I I don't care for it. So, yeah, (laughs) we'll see what happens. Fair enough. Before we move on, any other thoughts on uh, on Rev Pro? On the you did, but you did mention before we started the the TV. You want to talk their TV ratings? That wasn't uh, that's not been particularly encouraging. They did less than six thousand people for for the last episode for episode two. Uh, That's not great, but they are on free sports after all. Yeah, it's it's a real shame that it's got such a low rating, considering it's quite a good product. Um, thing I was thinking when it comes to this as well, though. So, like, if you look at free sports ratings, they've got stuff like NHL, um, and they've got um, Polish Speedway as another example mm. that do really well on that station. They got some uh, really well league. in free sports. Well, still talking yeah, like sixteen, yeah, yeah. twenty thousand, aren't we? 
yeah, so they've got some rugby league stuff that does well, sort of 50,000, 60,000 max. Polish Speedway is averaging around 25,000. But I was just thinking about this. If you're a fan of those sports, mm. they're not broadcast on sort of mainstream channels. I don't even think they're really broadcast. I, don't, I used to see Speedway on Sky, but I don't think it is on Sky anymore. I think Free Sports must have the rights to this Polish stuff, obviously. Mm. And there's obviously a big Polish population in the UK as well. So I imagine if you are looking for those products, as a fan of those products, you're coming here for it. Whereas with wrestling, I think when it comes to hardcore wrestling fans, there are so many options for wrestling. And the NHL is always going to have a core following and people are always going to look at ice hockey and go NHL. Whereas if you're a wrestling fan, you're not going to go, oh, Rev Pro. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You're not going to seek it out necessarily. So I think it's something that if you are looking for wrestling on TV, you may see World of Sport pop up on ITV on that massive platform. You may know that WWE is on Sky. You may know Impact is on 5 or whatever it's on. I can't remember what it's on. 5 Spike or whatever it's called yeah, now. Yeah, it's on Spike. I'm on the Fight Network as well. Yeah, so they're a bit more established. Mm. And there are options options there so i think that people who are looking for something say like ice hockey are going to come to this channel whereas i don't think people who are looking to watch wrestling would necessarily research where wrestling is taking place on television if that makes sense so i do think naturally they're going to get they're going to attract smaller numbers if anything yeah. because you can go so many places to watch wrestling if you're into wrestling and know where to find it comes a question of whether it's it's a shop window worth having for rev pro i mean i assume they haven't done it have they without being properly compensated but mm. as far as you know it being a vehicle to to make new fans how many more new fans yeah they come freeze i mean yeah. my own brother he's not a wrestling fan but i am taking him to progress in manchester on sunday just because i think he's just curious about this hobby that he grew out of when he was 10 that I still uh, do podcasts on and, uh, and spend half my life watching. He wants to come to Progress on Sunday, so in prep, he, uh, he did watch... Uh, I didn't know he was going to watch it. I didn't recommend it. He watched Rev Pro on Free Sports. Um, he was a bit blown away by Justin Liger. He kind of... He did the Lanny Poffo line of... He asked me today, he said, oh, is, is that still the same Justin Liger that was going around when we were kids? Brilliant. So I was like, yep, it, it genuinely is. Which was a question Lanny Poffo genuinely asked when he was doing commentary on Power Struggle, I believe. Uh, not a good look for the New Japan commentator, but I'll forgive it from my brother. He didn't think much of Zack Sabre Jr.'s look. I will say that. He wasn't a fan, but he did say he looked very good in ring. Um, but he's like, he's the type But he, he was telling me he watches free sports for the random world football that you'll sometimes get on there you know the matches that don't get picked up by anywhere else it'll be like yeah, a Brazil like friendly Belgian. on there or something yeah 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 Elgin Football League I've seen they got on there before yeah I wonder if there are there many people like him who are going to stumble across this product and go oh I like this and then are they going to buy a ticket to Rev Pro maybe not um I don't know it, it, it's but again it's expectations isn't it free sports can't expect to be doing you know tens and hundreds of thousands because they haven't got a, a product that, that does those numbers no exactly and it's such a niche channel i wonder whether a wrestling block like maybe the new japan and access stuff mm. they was to purchase that yeah that have, of it. yeah and have rev pro come on after that mm. so new japan's a lead into rev pro or rev pro into new japan you might 
game a bit more Fight of an Network audience and, there. Fight Network yeah. have been doing that, haven't they? With Impact, and they've got PCW on there, which did I think sixteen thousand the other week. It, it did. It did uh, not much this week. I think the they kind of did great one week and then bad the other week. Uh, I saw Brit Resaway they saying on Twitter, uh, but yeah, they they they're doing that. They're trying to get some shine on the lower the lower end stuff by by having Impact lead into to to, to Brit Res stuff. You could do that, couldn't you? And maybe have you know something like that, yeah, like a New Japan or there are other products out there, aren't there, in the world that you could maybe use? Make it a make it a proper world of wrestling block. So throw some lucha on there as well. Free sports could uh, could do worse. Yeah, no, most definitely, and I, I think you may see the audience grow as a result of that because people may have more awareness, and you may be able to advertise and market the likes of Chris Jericho if he's on New Japan a little bit better, or Kenny Omega. Say people have a little bit more of a profile, so be nice to see that. But yeah, whether we will, I don't know. Definitely. Uh, should we get into our, our main subject then? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Let's get into our main topic then. Uh, we're going to talk progresses. Uh, Last chapter, something about pumpkin spiced lattes or whatever. Chapter 77. There you go. Best progress intro I've ever done. Uh, but in, in doing mm-hmm. that, we're going to talk, uh, maybe talk about uh, a, a news story as well, which I think melts quite well into, you know, a subject that constantly comes up in this podcast. Came up a few times already in the, in the first hour or so of this pro- podcast. I mean, progress we will critique for the WWE relationship, and we've done it a few times on this show already uh, i thought it was interesting i just wanted to get your thoughts on it joe i mean uh, again you're not on twitter so maybe you've not seen the full gabeness of it but uh evolve uh putting their title on fabian eichner remember him he did that one manchester show for progress he looked good and he was on he was on unboxing as well oh Pete yeah Dan. he did he turned up for that as well uh, and then he's allegedly under contract to nxt although you never see him he became their world champion and the Street Profits became their tag team champions. And basically, Evolvers essentially become NXT, like their C-League, their D-League. That's how I heard the, uh, the Voices of Wrestling podcast uh, describe it. It's kind of, in some ways, what I worry about progress becoming. And in mm. other ways, maybe I don't think it's quite as tragic as that, just because it is Evolve. We'll, we'll go into that in a minute. Um, I don't know what, what you make of that news story, and have you, have you seen a lot of it? There's been a lot of, uh, like I say, on Twitter, Gabe trying to put out the flames of uh, all these alleged uh, Evolve fans uh, complaining. Yeah, I saw little bits and pieces on it, um, and I read about uh, what had gone on and had a look at the results and the rest of it. It's a really strange one, isn't it? Because obviously they've had that relationship for a while now, and they were the first independent company to really have that relationship with WWE, and they took Riddle on, didn't they? Uh, kind of on the, you know, WWE sort of gave them Riddle, if anything, and said... Mm you know sort this guy out let him do some shows for you let him get over so there's you know we've known about the relationship for a long time Mm. but it feels now like that relationship is uh, yeah a little bit more uh well a little closer than it's ever been let's just say like they've always had their wrestlers going down there but they've always for some reason i don't know been funny about them cedric alexander Mm. like oh i'm sure (laughs) you know that's gonna you know attract millions of people isn't it because 205 <laughs> live does so well every week um so i've always been a bit funny about it but i don't know like i've seen a bit of a reaction to this and i've seen some different takes mm. um in different areas like one of the takes i saw was that you know this is the worst thing ever and evolver sold out and all the rest of it I and mean, another i saw was 
comparing this to RevPro using the New Japan guys, which I think is an awful, awful take, because I think contextually both... <laughs> the Street Profits, Kushida, uh, Kushida, Okada, Ishii, come on. Yeah, come on. Like, you're using WWE's, like, D-level talent here, as good as I think Fabian Eichner is, actually. Um, I've not seen a lot of the Street Profits, so I couldn't... I can't really comment. Um... And you're comparing that to Okada, you're comparing that to Ishii, you're comparing that to Suzuki. Like, <laughs> reality check, please. Like, th- those guys are, are coming over here as superstars. Mm. People are reacting to them as superstars. People aren't going to react to, I don't know, Fabian Eichner as a superstar in the same way they are Okada when he comes over here. You're not getting, I don't know, a, a match between main of an NXT talent even in Evolve. We've got Ishii Suzuki twice this year. We've got Zack versus Okada this year as well, which have drawn proper houses. Like To compare this to the Rev Pro relationship with New Japan is ridiculous, and I think you know it maybe shows that there's a bit of an agenda being pushed there by uh, a certain someone who I did see pushing that, and I think that certain someone... <laughs> That being Callum Leslie has always had some absolutely <laughs> terrible takes on wrestling. Well, as good as he is as a is, commentator. You've, you've got to check what the political views are of the owners of the promoters before you follow the wrestling company. And if those political views lie with, say, 33% of a given country, then, sorry, you've got to walk away and you can't watch that. Because uh, why would right. we be talking about music issues when we could be talking about that? Right. Okay. So, why would anyone who ever watched WWE then, <laughs> yes. if they lean, if they, they lean even slightly to the left, why would someone well, work for a feeder company to WWE? Talking to the the overall subject we're talking here. Yeah, the the layers of contradiction and hypocrisy going on there are pretty unbelievable, really, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, you think of the amount of things WWE have done wrong over the years and their stance on various issues, the amount of money they gave to Trump as well. Mm major donors in his campaign weren't they yeah. um I, I, I just find the whole thing hilarious to be honest and you look at the republican party and you look at the uh you're talking about abortion here aren't you in the ireland ott situation and you look at the amount of i don't know pro-lifers in the republican party and the amount of money that's pumped into pro-life propaganda like when i was in america this year unbelievable amounts of it just like on the highway as you're driving through through florida it's hilarious to be honest that that money's being spent on something that's so such an it should be such a non-issue in this day and age but yeah at the same time it's just absolutely ridiculous takes from leslie i gotta say but i don't know what do you make of the evolve relationship benno i just think that i think that evolve I'll just say, Evolve was shit. Evolve has never been good. Evolve is the product that once a year, WrestleMania weekend, in the past, a lot of it, due to lack of options, I'll watch Evolve. And I'm not saying they don't have killer matches. They've had killer matches that Mercury Rise and Six Man a couple of years ago with Ibushi and Osprey and all of them was one of the best matches I saw that year. This past WrestleMania, me and JP reviewed a few of their shows and there was great stuff dotted around but as an overall product as a presentation of wrestling evolve is shit i mean i just yeah. there's nothing that makes me want to watch evolve month to month show to show um and watch dead crowds st- endless stories with Catchpoint and whoever has replaced Catchpoint. Oh, now. so bad. It, it, it's just never been for me evolve as a product so that's kind of my starting point that to me 
Evolve was never good anyway. I think this will be... if the, Again, we shit on progress a lot, but progress is a product that I genuinely think was absolutely fantastic at one point in time. Yeah. Was my favorite yeah. wrestling promotion at one point in time. Yeah. If progress got... If this happened in progress, you know, as cold as it's happened in Evolve... I, you know, I'd probably be shouting from the rooftops about it. But with it being Evolve, I've got to be honest, the shows look better. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah, I, I, I saw their poster. There's a poster, isn't there, with uh, the hero, uh, Cassius Ono's on the show against Fabian Eichner. And I saw that poster with that in the main event. And I saw Mustafa Ali against DJZ. That's interesting to me. It's it's far more interesting to me, get, you know, get, getting to see, you know, I don't know, the... Okay, maybe it's NXT level D guys that you're getting, <laughs> but it's still far more interesting. Even just as a news story, to get to see Darby Allen in there with potentially WWE contracted guys, that to me is well more interesting as a news story. And I'm probably going to watch an Evolve show now, whereas I probably wouldn't before. I think that's what makes it different for me, that I've never been an Evolve fan. And I don't think there's any great loss, really. I think Gabe, Gabe is... I don't know. He's kind of sacrificing his own product to to please his overlords and to you know do a good job for WWE. Probably his main benefactor now, as far as wages go. But again, I don't think it's not like he's sacrificing two thousand four, two thousand five Ring of Honor here. It's evolve. Yeah, no, I, I'm. I feel exactly the same. Like I did see a lot of real uh, kind of an. I can understand people would be annoyed. Um, and I saw people getting quite frustrated and cancelling their WWN subscriptions. Like, number one, how many people have got WWN <laughs> subscriptions and why? Um, yeah. I wouldn't be paying for that shit. Um, Evolve, I've been to Evolve show. I've been to six, seven Evolve shows in America, but I've not because I've gone to America to watch Evolve. Mm. I've just happened to be in places where Evolve are performing, mm. and I've got mates who live in, say, Florida, who are wrestling fans that I've gone to Evolve shows with before. Um, um, and I've got to say, the product has been cold each time I've been. Mm. Like I went, I've been to Evolve shows, sort of a week after going to Progress shows at the Ballroom and Rev Pro shows at York Hall. And I've been saying to the guys that I've gone with, like, guys, this is nothing compared to what we've got at the moment. Like, we've got the best indie rest in the world at the moment, and this is so far from that. The, you know, the, honestly, I think the the thing that they never have invested in as a company that's really fucked them over is their choice of venue mm. and the way they light venues. Because the venues they they um, buy into are cheap, like mega, mega, mega cheap venues, and they don't think about the value that a venue can have in creating an atmosphere mm. and in creating a buzz. Look and at you the progress about, shows that happens when they piggyback exactly. on Evolve and, and use their venues. How bad they look compared to the progress shows we get to see exactly think how cold new orleans was the progress crowd was dead in new orleans um yeah they're just a they've that i would describe them as i don't know if it's, i'm gonna get slapped on the wrist of this a bum fuck indie <laughs> like they are cheap as chips indie wrestling in terms of the presentation. Yeah, they're using A-listers in terms of ability and talent. And some of the graphics and some of the little short films they've always produced have been quite good and quite an interesting take. But they've just never had a buzz. And 
I've seen more interest and heard more interest in Evolve. I've spoken more with people about Evolve this week than I have in, what, the six, seven years that Evolve have ever existed. Mm. So uh, my interest in Evolve is probably, you know, larger than it was, let's say, (laughs) a month ago. No, it's not. But let's say um, Fabian Eichner, Shane Strickland. That sounds fun to me. Fabian Eichner, Darby Allin. Again, that sounds fun to me. Eichner, when I've seen him on NXT TV, has always had really fun matches. He's a really underrated guy. And there's a whole stock of talent that could end up being on these Evolve shows that could actually lift them a little bit. Mm. I do think one of the big mistakes that they that Gabe has made is rushing both sets of titles onto WWE talent. Mm. I think if he did it gradually and he put, say, the belt on Eichner, that may have grabbed interest, but maybe not uh, made people question it in quite the way they have. I think they I would think have been questioned. Reaction though, doesn't he? I think if he yeah. just if he done it, seems like it. if he'd eased it in, I think no one would have cared about Evolve for the next six months, and then it wouldn't have been as big a news story when it happened. So I kind of get his thinking, but it is a bit self-destructive, isn't it? We'd be kicking off if this happened in progress. We'd be kicking off, wouldn't we? If this happened yeah. to WXW, we're going to be kicking off, aren't we? Um, but I mean, no one's watching Evolve. Whereas mm. people, whereas there is a real following for progress and a real following for mm. WXW, and also you've got to think about um, independent wrestling in say Germany and the UK, mm. and there are so many great talents in the UK who can work progress shows and can work multiple shows a week in the UK. Whereas you think about the sheer size of the US you think about the regional based talent in the US and it makes it a lot harder for them to work a lot of shows that aren't in say their region Evolve don't run that often Mm. so it becomes harder for a lot of the guys to be able to work a lot of shows and improve and I think for this you're going to get more talented wrestlers potentially ending up on these shows and giving the show something that they wouldn't have had before if anything yeah I think that's the difference isn't it that's the difference between it Again, it happening in progress, or again, if NXT Germany is real um, and WXW turns into it, it happening there. You know, if if they sent the Street Profits uh, to come and win the you know the the the, the WXW tag belts uh, after sitting through Tag League, and then they come in and, and take the belts. You know, or if yeah, Fabian Eichner came in and uh, again was you know beat Ilya and became the new interim champion, or you know uh, beat beat Absolute Andy and became wxw champion uh again i think there'd be a bigger concern there wouldn't there be a bigger uproar and that is the worry it's not impossible um but hey maybe we should be thankful of the <laughs> the slow bleed that we've had out of progress rather than the the gabe tactic of just uh ripping that band-aid off <laughs> yeah most definitely i think the other thing for progress as well and you look at that progress roster and there aren't really good guys on that progress roster mm. and there are guys who are over on that progress roster as well but at the same time when i was watching this current well this progress show we're about to talk about mm. when i saw pastor william Eva <laughs> replacing timothy thatcher with this new gimmick i did think to myself man fabian eichner would have been a massive upgrade here <laughs> Right, yeah, replacing Tyler against Thatcher, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, either, either someone who, I don't know, maybe they've got a, because of that commitment to him, because he's a pro-Joe guy, because he was their world champion, which I think people over, over, I've done it, I, I use that as an easy talking point, he's a former world champion, he's doing this joke gimmick, it's true, 
but even if he wasn't former world champion, I don't think I think the I don't know the, the juice would have gone on past the William Eber already. Um, yeah, he had a gimmick with a limited shelf life, and he's now got another gimmick with a limited shelf life. That's it. I mean, yeah, we should. I mean, we should talk that show. I mean, yeah, that was that that match. To be honest, like I said, yeah, I might have taken it, you know, because it was such a weird show. This chapter seventy seven. I thought that first half was just so strange. You've got that Thatcher Eva match, which a joke heel against the uh, the serious Tim Thatcher again, last minute replacement. So I can kind of understand it. The weird women's match, Ayla uh, Dawn and Mila McKenzie, which again we should talk the uh, the progress women's division and the, and the mess <laughs> that it is. A weird comedy slash serious match with Gino Gambino and Trent Seven, which your mileage may vary on, and a really really good three way tag match with the one one ninety eight Grizzly Young Vets and Aussie Open. One of the weirder first halves in progress. Just a, a bit of everything, both both good and bad on the show. Yeah, mate, they tell stories and they tell diverse <laughs> stories. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they've been hearing a lot of that in Gorilla. Um, yeah, that women's stuff. What a joke. Did you like, know that the House of Couture died? Because I genuinely didn't. No. I've, I've not watched the Wembley video. This is one of the moments where, there are many moments where we miss JP. But if JP was here, I'd love to know. And if anyone who watched it can tell me, was it clear on the VOD that the House of Couture broke up? Because being there live in Wembley, I didn't pick up on that at all. Apparently, Ginny and Laura Di Matteo pushed the rest of the girls into the path of um, of Jordan Grace. I, I, honestly, did that I'm happen? Right, subtle. Did you know that? <laughs> that no, I mean... and JP didn't either because I spoke to him about it yesterday, and we were talking about what a clusterfuck and what, uh, what a, a bed of confusion this was, if anything. I don't but know anything about this? this women's division right now all i know about Ginny and laura is they wear matching jeans i don't like and all i know about charlie morgan and nina samuels is that the, the biggest schmuck baby faces going both in how they left the group apparently just by getting pushed into the path of tony uh, jordan grace and also in this just they did a run-in didn't they got to the apron got bumped down by Ginny and laura di matteo and they just turned around and ran off like yeah what is going on with this women's division well, let's be honest, second on the card, where else would you put a women's match? <laughs> second on the card, because that's their place. It's interesting, isn't it? Progress, but the women really do know their place in this in this company. In the same way that, I don't know, my nan would have my granddad's dinner, you know, to him on a tray, 5.30 every day, bring him cups of tea. These progress women know their place, coming out second on the card. No progress there. And women, they're women, so they've got to be in a in a dramatic uh, in a feud where they're all just feuding like you know how women do. Are they so, said it before. Or something? What, what's going oh, on? Oh, mate, it's like the Real Housewives of progress. This, honestly, <laughs> like those shite programs I see my girlfriend watching, where all these rich housewives are arguing. It feels reminiscent of that when I'm watching this. To be honest with you, it's all the women are just involved in one storyline. Mm. It's regressive. There's nothing progressive about this like i've seen enough of Ginny to last me a lifetime i've not <laughs> seen her improve in 
like I think she's reached like her ceiling of her potential because I've just not seen her improve. She's injured again. She's too small. I wish she was a manager. And what is going on with the rest of it? Like Nina Samuels looks like she's basically going on a night out every time I see her. Um, Charlie Morgan, I've never seen anything from in progress. They haven't helped any of these women out really. Mm-hmm. The lack of effort they've put into a lot of them is is pretty shocking to be honest. Maybe and Kenzie should be a nailed on star i mean i I feel like she should be easy to book as far as like an underdog baby face and instead she's messing around and whatever this is it felt like the whole match in second the match was a match there's nothing to break down there but it felt like it was really to set up hair and dawn as a team i mean oh mate it feels like the women's stuff is just based around wwe style heat booking where everything's got to be to get <laughs> heat and advancing <laughs> heat in some way I, and this is what these women's matches always feel like they're never allowed to just wrestle a good match mm. which is really quite sad to mm. be honest because millie mckenzie has shown that she's capable in multiple promotions and she's never i can't remember her having a half decent match in progress and i'm not putting that on her i'm putting it on the inane booking that exists around the women in this company Mm. and and again that inane booking that leads to my biggest fear about all of that is that are they trying to build tag belts because they can't book a singles belt. Never mind having a tag belt as well. That's the only explanation for me for them building all these teams. And the only explanation for me for putting Millie McKenzie in this weird spot that she's in right now. Just absolutely odd. Um, and a good microcosm of uh, some of the, the bad progress booking that, that we see right now. Um, yeah. Well, Ginny and Laura DiMatteo. It's proper soap opera oh. stuff, isn't it? I've made the EastEnders comparisons in the last <laughs> couple of episodes. Ginny and Laura DiMatteo are like the Pat and Frank of the promotion at the moment, aren't they? Like They have their breakups, they have their oh, long Pat. feuds, but they always come back together, don't they? So... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know who would be the Pat and who would be the Frank. I'm guessing Laura DiMatteo, since she's gay, and Pam St. Clement, Pat Butcher, is gay <laughs> in real life. So maybe we'll go for her. Um, I, I don't think that's offensive, is it? I don't know. You've outdone yourself here, Joe. <laughs> Have I? Oh, I don't know. I'm very tired. Like, you may be able to tell, but... I mean, this... any, other, any other thoughts on the uh, on the rest of that first half or, or on that uh, on that division? Um, on that division, I think, uh, what can you say? Just load of shite has been for forever. Has, has that women's division ever been good in progress? I can't remember a time, but it has been, um, Trent seven versus Gino Gambino. I thought was all right, mm. uh, for a comedy match. Uh, Trent's always going to get, you know, give me some value when it comes to this, his comedy. This is what the Atlas division is going to be, isn't it? With Trent there, it's going to be matches like this where you start with a lot of comedy, and then you build into kind of the big spots, and it becomes a serious-ish match um, if you can count, you know, in pulling up as tights and and doing big lariats and hitting burn and hammers as a serious match. But uh, I think that that's we kind of said, didn't we? That I mean, at least I did that. I, I thought Trent Seven wasn't the worst choice to put the Atlas belt on. You get what you wish for, don't you? This is this is going to be the Trent Seven Atlas run. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, it's a mid-card belt, I suppose, at this <laughs> point in time. Yeah. They have devalued that belt with the way they stripped Walter of it when Walter had basically... Uh, Walter oh. and Riddle turned it into a main event belt. But, Did hey, you hear, that's uh, a different story. On the commentary, Glenn Joseph said something like, oh, well, you know, Trent Seven's going to bring the Atlas belt back up to, you know, to the levels it was when 
um, when Riddle was the champion or when Walter was the champion or, you know, like when Doug Williams was. And I was like, he beat Doug Williams for the... It was like he he caught himself tripping up and kind of didn't want to insult Doug or insult his own booking by, you know, mentioning that he wants to bring it back to Walter levels. But the reason the belt is kind of where it is is because Walter just dropped it with no fan... Well, with fanfare, but just walked away from the belt like it wasn't particularly of, of any importance. Yeah, I thought that was funny. I don't think uh, Trent Seven's going to uh, be doing much for, for bringing the belt back to that level. Well, at least they acknowledge that they devalued their belt and... Hmm. Well, I thought Doug Williams was meant to retire in September, but he's getting plenty of mileage out of that motorbike because he's <laughs> off to Japan, isn't he, in December for a match in Noah. So the Doug Williams uh, World Tour, uh, you know, is going quite well, I suppose. So uh, He did, he did promise that he was retired in the UK. He was just going to be going abroad, just like Mark and EastEnders promised that he wasn't going to be back in EastEnders. And he probably did all kinds of European soaps. So it makes sense. The bill, mate. That's where he went afterwards. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. Gabriel Kent, cracking character. Ridiculous <laughs> character, but some ridiculously over-the-top golden years of the bill from uh, Mark Fowler when he transitioned over into the uh, into the Met. But, hey, that's a subject for my bill podcast that I'll do sometime. <laughs> um, <laughs> any, <laughs> What did you make of the tag match just out of interest? I thought that, like... I think I'd heard people raving about it going in. So this is the one nine acres of young vets and the Aussies. I watched it thinking, ah, again, the, the problem can be when you see a rave review, you watch a match like this and you think, ah, this isn't living up to it. It was very much a, a standard three-way tag. But when they got to the finishing stretch, which is kind of a, I don't know, a staple of Aussie Open matches, it it very much felt like the the first half main event that it was. Um, I think they're they're really good at, at laying out that segment of the match. You can call it a very indie style, you know, big near falls. But I think the fact that the 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 one nine eight, I can take or leave. But the Grizzle Young Vets being in yeah. there as well, we've got so, they're, they're so. I mean, again, don't love James Drake. But with Gibson, I think it partly because they run the school together. They've got such chemistry both in as personalities and in how they execute the moves and some of their double teams and the timing of when they hit some of those double teams and the timing of some of the near falls and them pulling the ref out and things like that that in this match that really i mean one of my favorite matches of progress last year or i think it was sheffield december last year was the grizzle young vets against the Aussie open i'd like to see a singles match I'm going to Manchester on Sunday for a progress show. They keep not booking Gibson on these Manchester progress shows, which is ridiculous considering the heat that he gets in Manchester being from Liverpool. Um, but yeah, that's the type of match I would love to see there. Hopefully we, we get that as a as a straight tag at some point without the needless uh, 198 involvement. It seems ridiculous they've not booked him on Sunday. Is, there any, is he booked somewhere else? I can only assume so. I don't know where he would be booked elsewhere. Maybe there's a match that's not been announced yet, but... Yeah, ever since he had that, uh, he had that title match, and he got there was a lot of Liverpool fa- fans from Liverpool in the crowd cheering for him, and it felt like a big mo- like there's been a few big moments like that with Gibson, but it felt like a molten hot. This is your top singles guy kind of crowd. Oh, was that when he faced Haskins in yeah. Manchester? Fantastic. Yeah, well, yeah. Probably Haskins. That that's that the only defence of Haskins? I think it was. Uh, no, he had one in a triple threat against ah, Marty yeah. and Jimmy Abbott when he gave the belt up as well. That's right, yeah, that as well. But that was, yet yeah, that was the peak for Gibson in progress. That was, And I, I remember at that moment thinking, should build these Manchester shows around Gibson. And it's not really happened. We've got a few 
good tags on the Manchester shows, and I'd, I'd take another one on Sunday. But yeah, really weird that he's uh, that he's not on the show. Although again, that could that could age this recording if they uh, announce him for another match on Thursday or Friday. <laughs> well, to be honest, I hope he is because he'll give something to that card and he'll interest me. Because if I'm honest, I didn't even realise oh, they had a show in Manchester on Sat on Sunday. <laughs> Um, yeah, that tells you where my head is when it comes to progress right now. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that Manchester match on Sunday, very Manchester main event, was set up by a three-way on this show in the second half. Oh, uh, Havoc, yeah. Havoc, Haskins and Brooks. Uh, we're getting Mark Haskins against Walter in the main event. Oh, I've, no, oh. I've no doubt it'll be... You know what? I bet it'll be a great match. No nah. belief whatsoever Mark Haskins is ever winning. Oh, um, has, I'm, Haskins, I just... Oh. <laughs> but he's I, one of the many, many number one contenders in progress right now. Um, it's the Ellen thing of, oh, is it the, is it the, is it Ellen who's that everybody gets a prize? Is that the meme? That's kind of the progress thing. Everybody is it gets Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, yeah. Everybody gets a gets a world title shot. It's uh, or maybe it's an Oprah thing. But yeah, I'm not particularly excited for Haskins and and, and Walter. Although. No. My brain knows it's going to be a great match, and I bet you I'll be in the building loving it. Um, oh, mate, but, I don't know. I don't. I haven't seen Haskins deliver on any level in a long time. Um, I'm sure Walter in the form he's in could deliver. Sorry to put a negative spin on it, Benno. But oh, I'm so excited I, as well. Uh, and even Haskins at this point, I just run through. I didn't watch this triple threat. Haskins, Jimmy Abbott, Chris Brooks. Ugh, <laughs> I was not. There was no way I was watching that. I've got. Not got enough time in my life at the moment. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, Haskins and Havoc, again. Like, <laughs> still in some way interacting. Like, this ongoing, like, constant interaction where, well, we've got to book them. Why? Because they're mainstays in the company. They're like the big show and cane of progress at this point, I find. Like, they're so stale. Haskins is so unbelievably stale. And I hope he gets squashed by Walter on Sunday and has to go away and reevaluate and progress. Don't book him for six months or so. Um, I obviously, I don't want to miss a guy to miss out on a payday, but I just am so bored of seeing him. And I never thought I'd say that about someone so supremely talented, but he is so dull right now. And I think. I think the progress owners are tone deaf as to how not over he is at the moment and how bored a lot of people are of Haskins right now. And this is an example of showing just how tone deaf they are to that. I think it's the booking of him, a lot of it. I mean, I, I'd probably be bored of him anyway, personally. Uh, I'll never be bored of his wife, but I'm very bored of him. Um, he's just... He... I think the fact that he's flip-flop between face and heel, I mean, if you didn't see the match, you've only seen the promo after as well, where they tried to reset two years' worth of bad handling of Haskins. He's not a bad talker when you let him talk. It was one of the most likable segments I've seen him in in the last little while, um, cutting a promo about how you know he, he had to... Remember when he had to give up the progress belt and the progress ring, and it was it was a big emotional moment? drawing on that and it really worked as a promo it just felt two years too late um that kind of interested me a little bit but yeah i mean this match kind of summed up what so the problems with progress is booking in a lot of ways this was the get him on the card match and give it and there's got to be a prize at the end of it (laughs) yeah that's so much of their booking is multi-man match number one contender <laughs> yeah never mind the fact we've already got eddie dennis sitting there who's number one contender as of wembley um 
And did was the pre-show battle royal for number one contendership, or was that last year? I'm not sure. Um, Mate, the, 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 Ch- Chuck Mambo is going to main event that Bournemouth show for a title <laughs> match. Mark Davis has got a title shot still. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. But yeah, this match was like two very stale wrestlers and a tag guy. And just, yeah, I, I can't blame you for not watching it. Um, did the did the Drew Parker stuff interest you at all? Have you seen any of no, that? No, no, absolutely not. I, yeah, I stopped it to watch it. Uh, oh. No, not at all. Uh, to me, it versus felt... Millionaires Club doesn't interest you? Yeah, it felt to me like later day ECW, if mm. I'm honest, when ECW was trying to push the likes of Steve Carino, who was always pretty good, but it just didn't feel like it was quite the same as the guys who had kind of gone and left the promotion at that point. Mm. And I get they've got a bring of new talent, they've got a tribe of new talent and all the rest of it. I'm just not that into Drew Parker. Mm. Um, he doesn't interest me. I don't like the deathmatch stuff. Um, he's not say Darby Allen who I think is much more interesting as a character as a personality and is a better wrestler I know Drew Parker's very young um, there's obviously time for him to improve but he doesn't do anything for me I wouldn't throw him out to that degree I think uh, I watched the uh, I can't remember the name you know the Attack uh, Halloween show this year yeah and they had him in the main event there and he looked he looked solid to be honest I, I've, I've got a soft spot for Parker I don't know if it's a too big a spot for him I don't know if he's... The kind of building him as, like... I don't know if he's going to be the leader of the New Blood or he's going to be, like, the the first man, like uh, Lance Storm in the invasion. Um, but I'm interested in it. If, if they if they turn on their head what a lot of us complain about and we're complaining about in this segment, you know, the likes of Havoc and Haskins still being around and use it to get over a Generation Next type stable like, like Gabe did in Ring of Honor back in the day, I don't think Drew Parker's the worst choice and I don't think... It's the worst idea. No, I don't think it's the worst idea. I don't think it's the worst choice. It's just a personal preference thing, I think. Mm. Um, I don't know. He's just never done anything for me. Um, and also, I'll be honest, if they do go ahead with this and I've got to watch Havoc and Haskins tagging again against these guys, uh, my interest will be dead. <laughs> but I understand why they do it. But I've just seen, I've just had enough of Jimmy Havoc skulking around doing the same old thing. Mm. Then going to the bar, sinking a few beers, walking around a venue beforehand, sinking a few beers, having a good old... I'm going to have a kamikaze pro show in a couple of weeks. Jimmy Avick and Clint Margera in the main event and some death match, tag match. JP's going with me. I'm driving. I'm leaving before that. If he wants to stay and watch it, he's welcome to, but he'll be making his own way home if he wants to because <laughs> I've just seen enough of this cliched shite to last me a lifetime at this point it's just not worth it anymore um i'm just bored of it fair enough what sorry I'm, I'm being incredibly negative aren't <laughs> i on all of this stuff but um yeah what did you make the, of the um, work out well i mean we get, i mean there's definitely going to be a positive to come with the main event but what did you make of the did you see the eddie dennis stuff him cutting his tween uh diesel promo i wasn't expecting that from him um they didn't go to the obvious what i thought was i mean we disagreed on that you you didn't see them doing i thought they would they go to the andrews rematch doesn't feel like they are because andrews was in a very 2016 feeling match against paul robinson on this show and eddie dennis was almost encouraging cheers in his promo uh any any clues on what's going on there any thoughts on that stuff I'll be honest, mate, I don't care. I think I need to just stop <laughs> watching Progress because I just don't care. Um, I saw this and was like, nah, I'm over that storyline. I loved Eddie Dennis. I thought the storyline was great. There was something they had there with him 
but I, I just don't care anymore. Um, the Mark Andrews match was a joke. I, I know it wasn't entirely their doing, but it was a joke of a stipulation, and it killed my interest dead, um, if I'm completely honest with you. I know this isn't the best material, and I should probably be given a critical opinion, but I'll, I'll give it straight uh, <laughs> as to how I feel. That's what and I just, you, Joe. I just don't care. I just <laughs> don't care. I'm not interested. Um, Paul Robinson versus Mark Andrews, I really liked. I thought that was re- a really fun match. Mm. And I thought Paul Robinson was awesome. And Paul Robinson has an intangible that no one else in that promotion has. And if I was looking for a new champion and I wasn't going to put it on Gibson, I, I can see you getting some mileage out of a Paul Robinson stable with Paul Robinson as your champion. Um, I really think there's something there with Robinson. I think he's got something that no one else has got. Mm. Um, and I think you can really book around him and book around that heat and that natural hatred that he seems to get out of that crowd. Because he, he is awesome. He's just got something that I don't see anyone else in the UK having at the moment. Um, I don't know how often he's going to be wrestling and if he's back on a full-time schedule, but I'd love to see him in Rev Pro again maybe as well if he's willing to go full-on with the character because he would give, say, those cockpit shows something else that no one else can deliver on those shows, if anything. Um, I don't know. What did you make of that? I'm just glad to see them getting behind him, to be honest. I think I went into this thinking, I mean, Andrews has just lost to Eddie Dennis. Surely they're not going to have him lose again. And him lose it, it. It said to me that they're behind the Paul Robinson push, and that's a, for me that's a positive. I think that's definitely something I'd do again. I said the match felt very 2016, but that's not a bad thing. That was my favourite period of progress. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 these two being in there together, uh, and again, yet yeah, to be honest, while it surprised me. I don't know what more you do with Mark Andrews and progress, so it's not the greatest loss either. Um, yeah, yeah, Mark Andrews is another one that he's great in the ring, and I really enjoy his matches, but hmm. he's very stale again. I just feel like there's a lot of staleness going on at the moment, and Robinson feels completely fresh because hmm. he's been away for a while, Definitely. and his act is fresh as well, and what he does is hmm. different to everyone else and in the card. Good in ring as well. It's not like he's just yeah. pure mouth or pure, you know, stall in heel. You know, he can pull out the daft, amazing red type moves like he did in this match. That weird flip DDT he did and the, yeah, the yeah. hot finish and stretch they had there as well. Yeah, I'm well up for more of this Paul Robinson in progress doing semi-main events. So, yeah, long may it continue. Um, what, did you, what did you make of the main event? I mean, I, again, we talked earlier about going in with high expectations. I heard people talking about the main event as like it was the match of the year for some people. I definitely wouldn't go that far. I didn't. I would probably go, you know, more than four stars on the grapple laugh. I'll probably go for four point two five, maybe something like that. If I'm going to be yeah, very specific, but I did. I didn't feel like it was a match of the year. I thought it was engaging. I feel like yeah. the the two wrestlers with, I don't know, two wrestlers who, when you see them in the ring, it's not like you're reminded at any point that this stuff's fake. Uh, the two people who you very much believe you believe Zack Sabre Jr. is the technical wrestler that he is you believe Walter is this big bad um, who's really going to do harm and you believe Zack Sabre trying to trying to chop him down and trying to scientifically take him apart so I enjoyed it as a match but yeah I maybe would temper the the rave reviews I saw about the match I thought it was very good um, not you know match of the year caliber yeah I feel exactly the same um I spoke to a couple of people uh, who were raving about this match mm. beforehand, so I was really excited to see it. And I've always enjoyed the matches they've had together. 
And these are two guys who really are at the top of the game at the moment. I think Zach's had a really underrated year um, in the ring. I think he's had great matches wherever he's gone with such a diverse range of opponents. Um, and Walter, obviously, what haven't we said about Walter on this podcast? Mm. And I had, had a few people saying this was better than the Tyler Bate match. This was as good as the Devlin match. It was up there with the Osprey match and all in all an OTT. Um, and for me, it wasn't. It was just a, it was a, it was great, but it was mm. just a step below those. Um, completely different in terms of style. I've mm. got to say, I loved the physical style and the physical nature of it. Yeah. And I like the fact that you can tell that both men have a lot of trust in one another yeah. and know one another's sort of in ring game and very. Very well, and there was some really interesting stuff in there as well. I loved, especially when they played up the size difference, and yep. when they had Walter going mad with his strikes as well. I thought that was awesome. Um, there was some really, really good stuff in there, and I think if I was in the crowd for this, I'd have been going mad, and Maybe I'd have probably been a little bit more invested in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and but knowing the results hope- as well. I think that that hurts. I mean, I don't. Not that I. I mean, this was a supposed Wembley main event, but not that I ever really expected Zack Saber to to win the Progress Belt. But when you know the finish as well, I wonder if that hurts it as well. Um, not that it again that it wasn't really strong. Um, and I'd echo all of your thoughts about the the way they they work the match as well. Walter's power versus Zack Saber's limb work and just the heavy. You, you mentioned trust there. That the trust that you can tell Walter Walter doesn't sell like that for everyone. But he's willing to do it no. when he's in there with that. You can tell he respects him, can't you? And he's willing yeah. to sell like that. And Zack Saber's obviously willing to sell for Walter as well. Um, maybe it's a style thing as well. It's a very, very realistic style. And if this is your kind of thing, if Tim Thatcher and Zack Saber are your favourite wrestlers, I can understand going five stars. Yeah, and I think as well, what you said about him respected him, you think about the way he sells Zach's slaps, and you look at Zach, and you can mm. see why someone maybe, you know, your brother, as an example you mentioned <laughs> earlier, maybe put off maybe selling for a guy of Zach's stature, but Walter made him look like he was someone who could really shoot as well, and was oh, kind yeah. of a killer, if anything, and I thought that was a really nice element to the match. Um, yeah, it it was a match that I would say definitely go out of your way to watch because there's definitely something for everyone in this match in terms of the style. But talking about Paul Robinson and the sort of intangible that he has in this promotion that others don't have, I'd say the exact same for these two as well. Uh, both of these two are two of the best guys in the world right now. And in progress, there's no one that can do what Walter can do. And there's no one really that can do what Zack Sabre Jr. can do either. I don't know if there's anyone in the world really who can do what Zack does to the level he does it at the moment. And you could, I think there is a Japan, I think some of the super heavyweights in Japan are, you know, up there with Walter. But they're not, the likes of Daisuke Sakamoto and Shuji Ishikawa aren't coming to the UK, are they? They're not coming to Europe. So we don't see them really. So I think these two have really got something at the moment. And it's good to see these guys on top. And I think Walter, as your champion, is kind of a safe bet at the Mm, moment. Definitely. He's going to give you bangers like this and you can rely yeah. on them, can't you? Like I say, might not be big into Haskins, but I bet you it'll be great. Um, at least that, that's kind of my take on it. And yeah, if you're going to get matches like this, I'd do. I'd take a rematch. Um, I'd certainly be happy to, to watch it again, to see them tell uh, that's the story that they told here again. And yeah, I think Walter is, like you say, he's a he's a safe bet right now. And it's the reason everyone's putting the, the belts on him, really, because you can, you can rely on him to, to deliver killer matches like this. Um, yeah, definitely. 
before we go, I mean, one other quick talking point. I, I did hear people, well, we touched on it before, uh, the music stuff. One, one thing that jumped out for me for this was uh, Zack Sabre coming out to uh, highlights of Super Strong Style rather than... I, apparently, oh. the story was that the Progress said something like the hard cam had broken. That's why they did this and they dubbed bollocks. it. Bollocks. Which does sound like absolute bollocks. bollocks. Maybe there's an element of truth to it. But I'd rather yeah. they did this. I, I'd take this every time. It hurts a little bit. But I mean, the the thing for the, the other thing was that when Walter came out, same with Tim Thatcher, they were the only dudes on this show where I recognised the music. That was it, them two. Yeah. Um, so I don't really, I don't think dubbing loses you much. I'd much rather they do this. Let the live crowds get their get their idols fixed and get Zack Sabre Junior coming out to his proper song, and keep the the atmosphere that you get at the live shows. Um, but it's been a big talking point because. Uh, progress just don't seem to be willing to bend on it they for whatever reason and i don't know if you've got any thoughts on why it is this feels very much like a one-off for them and they're going to continue to go down the the route of the uh of the generic muzak uh, i'll tell you why i think that they're stubborn and i think they're unwilling to change their production um and i think it probably make more work for them production wise to dub little bits and pieces and it means the shows will be at uh, you know, um, sorry, I'm losing my height in a bed. I think it's very late. <laughs> do you think it's a network <laughs> thing though, as well? Do you think that I mean, the, yeah, there's a stubbornness there, but extent. do you think it's if they're going to end up on the WWE network, then there needs to be music that they own? It could explain why Mark Andrews can come out to one of his own songs, but not the other one of his own songs. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? He comes out to the one that he comes out to in WWE now. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's an element of that as well. Um, so I think there are two variables. I think the network's one suspicion. I think the other suspicion is, like I was saying, with the stubbornness. Think about Wembley. Think about how badly shot Wembley was and how unwilling they were to bend their production values and invest mm. in getting some actual professional sort of production standards in for a show of that stature i don't think they've actually got the respect that they need to have for their product and respect we need to have for the fans who are buying their product at times um maybe i'm being a bit harsh i don't know but yeah i think it's possibly what i'm saying in terms of stubbornness but also maybe they are going to end up on the network any day now and that's mm. been the case for what a year but it's this music stuff that in a way i think back of when I really started getting off of progress and it was that change in music. It was when they started changing the music and people started coming out to white noise. And previously the music had made the atmosphere. It had increased like the tempo of the shows at times. I thought the ballroom throughout the show was nowhere near as hot as it usually is or has been in the past. The crowd seemed quieter. I thought they were forcing it at times. It didn't seem as organic. It seemed like they wanted to be into it, but they weren't naturally into it in the way that they used to be. And it all just felt a bit sad, to be honest. And I think when I'm saying it, you know, I don't care about things going on now. It's because it all just feels a little bit sad and a little bit tragic for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's... I had... A wrestler who remained nameless DM me the other day going, why do people kick off so much about the progress music? Just seeing the the Callum Leslie kick off and seeing the people going on about it and progress replying to people on Twitter as well. And the answer's right there in what you said there. It, it's, it was such a big part of the atmosphere. They run music venues for a reason. It does hurt the product. 
I don't think it hurts. It's funny because, you know, we'll get criticised of, of a Rev Pro bias or a WXW bias. And we don't criticise Rev Pro so much for the for the generic themes that they use, mainly because some of them are actually quite good. But also because the music wasn't ever really a big part of the presentation. And it was with Progress. It's yeah. allegedly punk rock pro, pro wrestling the music. Is, was a, was always a heavy tie-in. Um, like so, yeah. royalty-free pro wrestling now. That's what, that's what this is. That's the is. thing. Is, and I, I mean, there's rumblings of, you know, Progress said themselves there's some kind of legal issue there as well um but yeah it just it, it does hurt and i can understand you know when you see people saying that the, they're not really uh they're not as into progress and the music is a big part of it i don't think that's overblown i think it's understandable considering again the difference that you see in a show like this when you know the grizzled young vets are coming out to that wwe noise that they come out to and... oh shite <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and 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 again you know Zack Sabre Jr. not coming out to his idols theme on if he is on future shows is is problematic too and yeah it's just it is it's a big part of the presentation I think it's a, it's definitely a, a reasonable talking point yeah think of the respect WXW have um, for mm. production and good production values and giving people at home but also live at the venue as much as they can in terms of atmosphere and what mm. we experienced of a turbine haller and I think that's where progress I, th- I think they take their audience for granted and I think they've taken their audience for granted for quite a while now but they get around it by being like the nice company they're, they're the Osborne and Cameron of pro wrestling if you ask me um, we're, 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 we're going to cut everything but we're going to do it with a smile because we're really lovely blokes and look at this lovely smile and this big shiny forehead and there's an element of that to progress oh lovely old Jim I love Jim yeah, he seems like a nice bloke, but at the same time, you know, there are things that Progress do that I don't think services their audience in a way that is necessary. And then they'll just make shite excuses all the time, which clearly are, you know, hidden behind something WWE-based that they're not allowed to say, and they're in a quite compromised position, I suppose. But, hey, God, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a that's a good way to sum it up. And yeah, a good a good way to to leave it for for one episode. I guess I'll I'll see you in Manchester. Uh, how the uh, I'll, I'll maybe I'll use my brother as just a, a good little uh, see what he makes of the entrance theme. See as a as a brand new fan, what he what he thinks of uh, the progress presentation with the uh, with the crappy mm. music. But yeah, maybe we'll uh, maybe I'll use that as a as an example on our next podcast. Uh, Is that one sold out? Um, I think just about. I'm pretty sure it has, but it was a slow sellout. Weirdly, because there's a December show in Manchester at the same venue a month later, that sold out. This one is same day as the Manchester Derby, which I think is a bit daft. And I think the Christmas markets are opening in Manchester as well. I don't know if they've affected it, but yeah, it was it was a very. If it is as sold out, it was a slow sellout compared to the uh, the last few Manchester shows. Again, it's been a while since they've ran the Ritz as well. They, they used Victoria Warehouse last time they were in Manchester. It was a lot earlier in the year. The last time was it? I think you guys were down. February, was, the one I was at. Yeah, yeah. There, that's how long it's been. So maybe that's part of it as well. Bit weird, um, but not as much cause to, for concern as that uh, that Monday ballroom show. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's see. Well, mate, I hope you have a good time there. Um, I don't think I would if I was there. So it's good <laughs> I'm not going. <laughs> Any other points on uh, on progress or anything else before we go? Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Fair enough. I'll uh, throw some plugs in before we go to the IndyCorner.com. Check out the Graps and Claps November audio preview from Andy Ogden, where he went through GPW Future Shock, PCW Tidal, and IPWK's upcoming shows uh, up north, if uh, my northern talk earlier, earlier on wasn't enough for you. Uh, there's a 1PW retro review on the website, a couple of other Graps and Claps there as well, as well as the new normal reviews and columns that you can check out. You can follow me on Twitter at BensonRichardE. You can't follow Joe, uh, but follow JP at JPJP and follow the Indie Corner at the Indie Corner. We're very tired. We'll be back again soon. See ya. Thank you.